That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast. A production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. We all know that the Pac-12 conference is in trouble. How much trouble we're about to find out. You may have already given up on the idea that the Pac-12 could salvage itself. There may be a Hail Mary out there somewhere. I've got a question for ESPN on that front. I wrote a column today at johnconzano.com about Fox's role in dismantling the Pac-12 conference. No way around it. Fox is in the middle of this, or at least has its fingerprints on what is happening to the Pac-12 conference. USC, UC, to the Big Ten conference that started everything. Then, of course, Colorado. The uncertainty in the landscape, the unwillingness with Fox to come to the table in a meaningful manner and negotiating with the Pac-12. There are a lot of tentacles to this thing. But today, that existential crisis for the Pac-12 got a little more complicated. Now, you know that I don't usually bring guests on the show, off the top of the show, unless there's something big going on. Well, today's one of those days, isn't it? Dan Wetzel uh, broke the big news today, the Big Ten Conference, in preliminary talks to potentially add some more schools. He's joining us from his cave uh, in, where are you at now? Are you out in Michigan? Were you, you in Detroit? Detroit, Michigan, Detroit? Yeah. yeah. Man, uh, what, what has your day been like? Uh, a little busy, a little busy, but good. What do you make of this? Big Ten Conference kind of reopening the exploration of further expansion. It's got everybody's attention in the Pac-12 footprint. Well, you know, it's just because the the Pac-12 is obviously very destabilized right now. So, uh, I think, you know, my guess is that some of the schools reached back out, and uh, with sort of the potential, if not inevitability, of uh, of the conference falling apart, um, the the Big Ten wants to be in position. So it's this is a this is a subgroup of presidents uh which is significant. Uh this isn't the commissioner, this isn't a, some deputy commissioner putting together a paper or something. Uh like would this work? Um if there's going to be a decision, this is the group that would make the decision. So they're looking and saying, "Well, um if this is inevitable, do we extend these invitations to go to 18? Do we go to 20? What does Fox think? What do the TV networks think?" Um, you know, it's, it, there, there is a hesitancy in being the one that kills the Pac-12, uh, which I find comical since taking USC and UCLA really was the first, uh, Jenga tower pull on this that, that changed everything. But, um, there's no decision made on whether to move, expand at all, but, um, there's certainly the people talking that can make that expansion really quick. Scott, that, uh, yep. This could go very quickly, and it could be Oregon, Washington, Cal, and Stanford. Uh, if it goes past 18, it'll be Oregon and Washington to go to 18 teams, and if they want to go 20 and just take uh, the Bay Area, they'll, they'll do Stanford and Cal. What do you make of this? As, as a guy who's covered college athletics for a long time, 
healthy, not healthy, inevitable? What do you make of it? I mean, it's not healthy. Um, y- you know, the sport, if you really love the sport, the quirkiness of the sport, the the, the regional, regionality, rivalries, the conferences, all of that are are what uh, really make it. Um, right now what's going on is television networks have all the power, and television networks care almost just exclusively about how many how many games can we get that will produce 4 million viewers, 8 million viewers, 10 million viewers. And so they're just trying to get the biggest brands to play each other as often as possible. And uh, I understand that that's their business. Um, it obviously can be good for the overall popularity of the sport. You'll have more casual viewers, but for those of us who, who've been to Corvallis or, or Pullman or, you know, enjoy that Oklahoma and Oklahoma State play every year or something like that, you look at these things and go, uh, you know, this is, this is crazy. Uh, the Big Ten with 20 teams, including six of them on the West Coast, like it, that's two conferences just jammed together under one. And so um, it's just television and, and money and fear of being left behind and fear of not having money, even though these institutions are incredibly wealthy, um, driving these decisions. And it's, uh, uh, you know, I don't think it's good, but this is what's happening. Help me out with Stanford here. I'm wrestling with this. Stanford has long declared that it's about much more than football. And, and and that shows on the field, right? Like, you know, if Stanford wanted to outspend everybody with their endowment, they just would. But Stanford has maintained that they are staying true to the mission of higher education. And yet, if they jump to the Big Ten Conference, it flies in the face of that. Yeah, for the Big Ten, and, and this is the stuff that that's, can be confusing and frustrating for fans and, and all of us. Um, you say, well, what's the criteria? And you t- you can talk to you know, 16 different presidents, there's soon to be 20 different presidents in one league, and they have different criteria. So in some cases, you say, well, look, we can add Oregon and we can add Washington, and Fox is good with that. That'll be worth it. They'll they'll give a pro rata deal, and, you know, you, you do, we'll just add two more teams and give you another 50, 60 million a team or something like that. I don't know. They see that as worthwhile. And you go, okay, so that makes sense. So you have to be that successful. And then at other times, the presidents are like, hey, we want to be in the San Francisco Bay Area. We want to be in the Bay Area. And we know that these two teams, particularly lately, haven't been good enough in football. Um, these other sports, they only nominally care about. Um, but these are elite academic institutions, um, elite research institutions. Uh, Oregon, and Stan- Oregon and Washington are, are, are very good, and they're members of the AAU and all the things they want. But Stanford and Cal are Stanford and Cal. And we plant the Big Ten flag in the Bay Area. We've got, uh, you know, whatever that is, fifth biggest city market in the country, something like that, incredible tech industry, corporate, lots of alums, exciting area, and a, and a chance to recruit regular students out of there. If you're these other schools and you know what, if you do, or you're Indiana or you're Minnesota, maybe adding a team that you can actually beat regularly isn't such a bad thing. Just adding. So when, when we talk about it on sports radio or podcasts or whatever, it's like, well, just get the best teams. And there's other factors that go into it. It's just, they're kind of undefined. So 
you're a Big Ten president and you're the Big Ten, you're going, hey, this is a this is a really important market to be in. Like I, I know this, like the University of Michigan, uh, obviously the most students that attend the University of Michigan come from Michigan. The second most, the state with the second most is California. So for Michigan to be have more of a presence in California and and get to their alums in California and all of that is an important thing that doesn't factor in television ratings or all that. So that's why I think you have Cal and Stanford with a with a preferred shot here opposed to somebody else. And that can be frustrating. Uh, they haven't been great on the field, but they're still Cal and Stanford. Pac-12 down to nine schools. Yesterday you wrote a great piece on the hypocrisy of – you know, the major college conferences. They're complaining about NIL while, uh, you know, getting busy using the transfer portal to move schools around the country. Um, you know, I what brought you to that, or how, how glaring is that when you look at it? Well, I look at college sports, and, you know, the, everybody's crying about the transfer portal, NIL, transfer portal, which they created, uh, NIL, and they sit there and go, and tampering, right? So they're saying, well, you know, this is a disaster, uh, our sport is dead. We need we need, we need Congress to save us. We're so we're, this is so this is changing the playing field. It's it's killing tradition because a player is getting a, a, a tampered with and offered more money to leave. And at the exact same time, they walk out of that meeting and they get involved in talking to other conferences, being tampered with. Hey, do you want to come? We can offer you more money. And then they enter the transfer portal and boot. What will be what will be a bigger factor in college athletics than the Pac-12 potentially dissolving, or some guys who are on the depth chart somewhere leaving because they might make a couple more bucks or they got a better chance at playing time? Like, what are we seriously talking about? The the conference realignment is the biggest thing. And that's what these presidents, these ADs, these conference commissioners are all engaged in. And then on the other side of the mouth, they're begging senators and congressmen to save us because the players get it. So the hypocrisy, I'm not in favor of government intervention on this, but if college sports wanted to maintain its traditions, I wouldn't I wouldn't approve of this, but I would be like, hey, you know what we need to do? We need the Big Ten to share some of its wealth to the Pac-12 so we still have a Pac-12 instead of just saying, hey, we're going to take six of you and, and four of you are going to go to the Big Ten. All of a sudden, two schools are out. Um, that's what, to me, is the bigger threat to tradition and all that. But they don't care about this. They just only care about the players. How big is too big in your mind when you talk about super conferences? <laughs> uh, 20 seems too big to me, yeah. but here we are. I would have thought 16 was too big. Um, I guess you could make that work, but. In some ways, 20 with six teams on the West Coast make more sense than 16 with just UCLA and USC. Um, you know, you could devise different ways to, you know, almost a West Coast division or it's a little better for some of the trout for the Olympic sports. Um, you know, there's a question of what happens with the Rose Bowl. Do you play the Big Ten Championship game in the Rose Bowl? Do you alternate it with Indianapolis? Um a million different things can come up, but uh, again, like this is where we're headed because television's running the show, and these schools are just—they spend like crazy, and then are desperate for the funding to keep up with the spending. Uh, much, much of it, which is unnecessary. 
It feels to me like Fox, you know, doesn't want to just corner the market. They want the market, you know, and they grab L.A. They, you know, if they get Oregon and Washington at a discount, the Bay Area schools at a discount, they're in those markets. I have to think ESPN at some point goes, hey, wait a minute, we're not going to let you run away with this. What do you what do you think happens here? What do you think? Does ESPN push back? Does Apple ever become a, a serious player? What happens in the short term in your mind? I mean, look, if, if if this goes down and the Big Ten has USC, UCLA, Cal, Stanford, Oregon, and Washington, then they then Fox and NBC, which has a Saturday night game, uh, controls the West Coast. Um, there's also a CBS deal with the Big Ten. Because what else are you going to do? What is ESPN going to do? I mean, so the late-night games, the thir- that, that little late window, the Pac-12 after dark, is now Big Ten after dark. Um, you know, one of the things that they say is, well, that's not a great uh, game because you can't get the fans to go. Well, you might be able to go if, if it's a big Big Ten team that's coming out. And I'm not talking about Ohio State, but, you know, there's a lot of, say, Minnesota alums or something in the Bay Area and will, or L.A. and they're willing to help fill up the stadiums and things like that. So um, I think it's going to get boxed out of the West Coast. I mean, what do you do? Who do you add that gives you anything? that people are going to watch. It's already hard enough to get them to watch those six teams, and those are the premier six teams out west. Dan Wetzel, Yahoo Sports with us. You mentioned this was exploratory, four presidents uh, doing sort of the legwork on this. Do you think there's support conference-wide for this, or does that signal that there is support? I think it signals that there is some support. Uh, These guys aren't going to waste their time on it. If it isn't now, it's not done. Um, they could say we're going to sit at 16. They could say we're going to wait and see. They would. I think the Big Ten would love for see Arizona just say, "Hey, we're out. We're going to Big 12 and let the the league collapse, and then you can uh, pick it apart." There are concerns legally. Are you breaking apart a con- a, a league and stuff like that? So, um, you know, there's a lot that goes into this, but. Uh, Generally speaking, when they're talking about it, they're they're going to do it. Uh, it doesn't mean that it's done, but I, I think there's a pretty good chance that uh, this is where it's headed to. All right. The the west western part of the United States is buzzing about this. How is this going over in, in Detroit? Are, are college football fans tuned into this because it's got a Big Ten tentacle, or is it an afterthought and they're focused on other things right now? Oh, no, it's a big deal. Um you know, I think they roll their eyes. It's like the tradition. Uh, you know, you lose the tradition. But um, I think I think the – but, you know, you add some new opponents and some new things. I think the, the more concern is the more teams you add, the less often you play the teams you're familiar with. And sometimes that can be lost quietly. Um, so you sit there and say, well, you know, maybe like Michigan State, Indiana isn't this, like, well-known rivalry, but – you know, maybe your neighbor went to Michigan State and you went to Indiana, and it's kind of a fun thing. Um, so the more teams you have, the less often you play. So there's a little bit of that. But they take the tradition and they take what the Big Ten means a great deal. But for the most part, they just want to make sure they got enough money and think they can be competitive with the SEC. One thing all of these universities have done, these athletic departments have done mind-numbingly to me, is get fans to care about revenue. They, get, they, they have convinced fans that if they're $5 million short, $8 million short, uh, the world is going to end. They're going to lose everything. Um, these schools are rich. <laughs> They've got tons of money. 
They got boosters. They got they can stay student fee. They do all sorts of stuff. They waste enormous amounts of money, but they have convinced fans to to care about the scoreboard of how much money they're making, even to the detriment of how successful are you going to be? You know, I look at like the University of Nebraska. Uh, obviously, at one point, Nebraska was maybe the number one program in the country, and then even when they stayed in the Big Twelve. They were extremely successful, Um, you know, 10, 11 wins every year, things like that. They jumped to the Big Ten, and they got tons of money. They got tons of money. They haven't been really good since. And you sit there and go, well, your athletic department's rich, but you're losing games. Is that really more fun? Um, You know, I I look at what the Pac-12, even the Pac-9, go, man, if you could just keep that thing together, literally just sit at nine and play eight, eight league games, and one of you guys to make the college football playoff starting in 2024 is an automatic bid. Maybe two of you will. Who knows? Uh, you have four non-conference games. You can schedule all sorts of different things. Like, isn't it fun to win? Isn't it fun to compete for championships? If you just saying, "Hey, I'm Cal. I'm jumping to the big, the Big Ten. They're gonna get, they're gonna get smoked." And and yet their fans are like, "Yeah, well, we'll take it. We'll take the money." Yeah. I you go all right. Good luck, but. Like how how you know Missouri used to be pretty good. They're in the SEC. Like Missouri is not ever winning the SEC. It's not, like congrats, you're in the league, but what are your chances of actually ever being super successful? Drew Brees was a freshman at Purdue. I was a beat reporter covering Purdue, and it, it opened my eyes. Being a guy from the West Coast covering Big Ten football for that season, going around all those Big Ten cities, it really opened my eyes. And I have a hard time imagining UCLA, USC, Oregon, Washington, potentially Cal, Stanford being part of that. It just feels like those things don't mesh. I love the differences in style and the college towns. And I don't know. I don't know, Dan. Uh, I don't like where it's going, but I sound like an old man on my lawn. Yeah, there's nothing we can do about it. I agree. It's just it's just totally different. And so you go, all right, this is what we're trying to be. It's a little bit more NFL light. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's it just it is what it is. Uh, and there's not, it's not going to change. The, the focus is on how many dollars we can get. Um, even, even giving that thing I just said, like, hey, if you're Oregon and you could keep the Pac nine together, you've got a really good chance of making the college football playoff going forward. Like, what, two out of every four years, three out of every four years? You know, maybe Utah or Washington gets you, but you pretty much should be able to beat everybody else. I would think that's awesome. You know, I'd be Gonzaga basketball. Sit there and go, hey, we're in every year. And we've got, we got enough that we, we're not in the biggest league, but we can schedule all these fun games and not really care about this and, and make enough that we have a successful team and recruit lottery picks and stuff. And, you know, we don't need to just jump to some conference. To me, that would be the most appealing thing. But the decisions are made by athletic departments and presidents that are looking at the bottom line solely saying, hey, we got, we can get that extra $10 million, that extra $6 million. And you go, all right, but you're also going to go – you might go three and nine. Like I said, Nebraska football isn't what it used to be. They've got all the money they could ever use. They don't win like they used to. It was, if I was a fan, I'd care a little bit more about winning. But, again, that's, that's old man stuff too. Dan Wetzel, Yahoo Sports. Thank you, man. Hey, thank you, John. Talk to you soon. See you, see you around the all Midwest. Right. Yeah, take care. I'll be back out there on the beat. All right, thanks, Danny. Dan Wetzel broke the story today, Yahoo Sports, on the Big Ten beginning exploratory discussions about the possibility of expanding their membership to 18 or 20 teams. 
Again, if you're just tuning in, the schools being considered are Oregon and Washington, Stanford and Cal if they want to go to 20. Uh, and, of course, wrapped up in this is the Pac-12 trying to hold everything together. What are you rooting for? You have a dog in this fight? 503-417-7575. Because sometimes what's good for your school is not good for the ecosystem. I think we know that. I want to know where you stand. Well, I want to know what you think of uh, what is happening in college athletics. 503-417-7575 is the phone number. You just heard from Dan Wetzel, Yahoo Sports. A um, couple of things I'm going to lay out, and then I'm going right to the phone lines. The, the, the thread that appears to be common here with everything that we're seeing with expansion and realignment in this cycle is look around. I mean, the ACC presidents talking just a moment ago in the East Coast and Florida State's president saying it's a matter of when, not if, for Florida State to leave the ACC eventually. So the ACC also facing some uh, existential crisis uh, in its own way. But the Pac-12 deal feels like it's going to uh, flesh itself out in the next 24 to 72 hours. Arizona is the thread in the Pac-12 country. Does Arizona decide that it's okay leaving the Pac-12 conference? Does Arizona State go with it to the Big 12? Does Utah go? Do they stay together? Do they stay in the Pac-12? That That is a domino that needs to be determined before any of this Big Ten stuff can be sorted out. There's also the matter of television, and I mentioned earlier I wrote about it at johnconzano.com today, that Fox TV is at the center of this. Fox is gobbling up the best brands, the best markets, took UCLA, USC, put it in the Big Ten Conference, grabbed Colorado. It's after Phoenix now. It's not really after Arizona or Arizona State. It's after Phoenix. After that, you know, Fox could grab Seattle, the Bay Area, and Portland, by taking Cal, Stanford, Washington, and Oregon to the Big Ten. Is, is ESPN going to be okay with that? that? That is a question that I don't know the answer to. It would give Fox like 67% of the college football inventory if it went down that way. Would ESPN push back by saying, oh, no, 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 we need inventory in the Pacific time zone, and guess what, Pac-12, we're going to come in at the 11th hour and be a linear provider on that Apple, uh, uh, you know, streaming deal that was unveiled by George Klyovkov yesterday. Does ESPN become a lifeline for the Pac-12 conference in that way? Or do they let it implode and then pick over it in the way that uh, Fox is trying to do? And I find it really interesting that nobody seems to want to be the bad guy. Like the Big Ten saying, we don't want to be the bad guy, but we'll get involved if the Big 12 Conference is going to take uh, the Arizona schools and create further instability in the Pac-12 and leave Oregon and Washington and Stanford and Cal out there to be had. Um, I think that's interesting because if you really trace this back, it starts with the Big Ten Conference. They started it. I want your phone calls, 503-417-7575. What do you make of it? Where are we headed with this? And do you like it or do you hate it? Roy's in Portland. Roy's a big Georgia fan. Roy, what's up, man? Hey, how you doing, John? I'm doing all right. Man, you know what? All due respect with Dan West, so I don't believe that story not one bit. I'm hearing that from my, from people that I know, the only school that the Big Ten is opening up the books for is Notre Dame. It's Notre Dame or bus. 
Oregon and Washington and Stanford and Cal does absolutely nothing for the bottom line of the Big Ten. The only team that does anything for the Big Ten financially is Notre Dame. That's the prettiest girl in the school. That's the one that they want. That's the one the Big Ten always wants. Uh, Oregon and Washington doesn't do it. I mean, that's and, – and, and does anybody know how long it takes to get from Portland <laughs> to Chicago or from Portland to uh, – or for Portland to New York. I mean, come on, man. This is absolutely ridiculous. The only conference that did that did the expansion right was the SEC because it was still schools that were in Texas, Oklahoma, and Florida State leaves. That's their footprint. They're not doing the rest of this ridiculous stuff. USC to in the Big Ten. That's just all stupid. Big Twelve doing uh, East Coast schools in the in the long run. This USC UCLA is not going to work out. It's, it may look good now. It may look good, but I'm telling you right now, when the when the non-revenue sports start complaining, the women's sports start complaining about the traveling, it's going to be over with for that. And yeah, I'm telling I, you, it's I, not I, going to Let me ask work. you this, Roy, because you're right in that, you know, the Big Ten's not going to cut Oregon and Washington at $70 million a, a pop. And so I do think that maybe some of this is Fox trying to further destabilize the conference because what Fox really wants is it wants the Arizona schools into the Big 12 conference. But let me ask you, Roy, long term, where is this headed? Are we going to have a 20-team SEC, a 20-team Big 10, and then it's just everyone else? And, and, and do you like that if that's where it ends up? No, I don't like it. And I do agree with you. I think it's Fox doing all this destabilization of, of the conferences because it makes, it makes, no, it makes no sense. Yeah. USC and UCLA in the Big Ten, I don't care what anybody say. It's the stupidest thing I have ever heard in my entire life. It does Bill not Walton agrees. Sense. Bill Walton agrees it with just you. Doesn't make, it did, I, you. I don't care how much money you have. You cannot put athletes, especially the non-revenue athletes, travel. I, don't, I mean, fuel costs the fans. You don't even think about the fans. And, and, and it, it, it's just it's – just, it's just dumb. I don't think Oregon and, and Washington and the, and, the, and the San Francisco market, is, I don't think they're going to the Big Ten. I just don't think that's true. I think Notre Dame is the only one that the Big Ten will accept. I, just, right. I just don't believe that. I, I, I think you're right. I believed that. I think the only reason the Big Ten is suddenly sitting forward in its chair is because the Arizona question is out there for the Big 12. And let's face it, let's be real about this. Fox in partnership with the Big 12 Conference, Fox in big-time partnership with the Big 10 Conference, it kind of behooves Fox if the Big 10 is talking about taking those teams, uh, although the Big 10 doesn't want to look like the bad guy because remember remember the alliance, the Big 10 and the Pac-12, they had an alliance handshake deal. It was Kevin Warren's other hand, George Klyovkov should have been focused on, the one with the uh, dagger in it, but just- got him Got him right in the back. Question for you, John. When it comes to the other non-revenue sports, because I agree with Roy that that's not going to work. Like, it's just silly. It's just silly. Ultimately, that's not going to work. But if it doesn't work, isn't it just going to be where you know Fox and whoever else, they just branch off and basically make their own minor league college football? that becomes not- football and then everything else. Right, and that it, they aren't even a part of the school. Like It would basically yeah. just be like, hey, you know. This is uh, and their employees, right. and it's just hey, we're going to make all the money here, and you go ahead and hold your golf tournaments and your women's basketball games elsewhere, right? And then do this stuff. And then at that point, then the schools can be like, okay, well, we want to realign ourselves back in the Pac-10, Pac-12, whatever, could. and then they just basically branch off, do their own football thing. They could, but here's my thing: like, I get it. 
like I wrote this to I get it. I understand there are stakeholders. The media companies need to make money. I understand it. But what they're doing is they're killing college football. They are literally, instead of Fox coming to the table and saying to the Pac-12, hey, we'd like to be your linear partner. We'd like to, uh, you know, buy some inventory. They're saying instead, hey, you know what? We already bought the Big 12, and we bought uh, all of the Big 10, and we don't have a lot of money left over. So instead of buying your rights, what we're going to do is we're going to destabilize you to the point where you splinter, and then we're going to pick off Colorado and the Arizona schools, and we're going to add Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and Cal to the Big Ten. We're going to get them anyway without having to pay for the conference. I do think there's some antitrust issues with this. I did communicate today. A lawmaker reached out to me and said, hey, do you think there's an antitrust issue here? And I said, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a lawyer, but these things are getting awful big, and it's starting to feel like there's some, some squirrely things going on behind the scenes. I think we felt that all along with this Pac-12 thing. My hope, Stephen, is, is this, and I think Roy supports this, and I, I'm curious to see what other listeners think. My hope is that, you know, this. I, I was told today by somebody that the Apple deal that was presented yesterday was not just a streaming deal. Now, I don't have the particulars on it. I was also told that the deal is better than what it was represented. But if it is better than what's represented, why would Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, anybody be looking elsewhere? You know, and so what I think needs to happen here, and I did reach out to the Pac-12. They just shut me down. They said they're working on getting their grant of rights signed. <laughs> but what I think needs to happen here is maybe, maybe all this talk about the destabilization of the conference, maybe it gets the attention of Apple and ESPN and says, hey, if you really want something to bid on, if you want there to be anything left to bid on, get to the table in a meaningful way and make it happen. Because I don't think these schools want to leave. I think they're doing it reluctantly. Like Colorado might have wanted to go back to the Big 12. I don't think Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Oregon, Washington, Cal, Stanford, I don't think they really want to go, you know, death to the Pac-12, let's move somewhere else. It seems to me like, and again, we don't know the details like you said, but it's almost like schools are going to be afraid of the potential, right? Like it's hard to look at it and say, well, long-term this deal is going to be better when short-term we can look at the Big 12 and say, okay, this is guaranteed money. Right, because I do think the whole streaming platform, and we've talked about this numerous times, ESPN plans to go to all streaming. If the world is going to be about subscriptions, which it already kind of is with all the subscriptions we have for TV, that, this is the way to go, right, is to have this way and be the first out in the market and be the first to do it. But I can see from a school's point of view, if you're spending so much money on all your athletics – you would love to just get that lump of guaranteed money that you know for sure is going to come in, where if this Apple plan didn't work out, then you're really in trouble. So it's one of those things where it's like short term, it could really hurt. But long term, I think the deal like with Apple could be the best of the best of the bunch. But it's just do you have that foresight to say and take that risk? of you know, doing that deal instead of going to a for-sure conference and getting your guaranteed what, money. That's what George Kovkov's got to get busy selling because if he doesn't get that done, and, and for Oregon State fan, I want to lay it out for you because I had a lot of Oregon State fans saying, well, what happens to the Beavers? Look, if, if in the doomsday scenario, Oregon State, Washington State, maybe even Stanford and Cal are left behind in the conference, maybe even Utah. And I do think at that point the Pac-12 conference turns to the Mountain West and says, okay, we'll take the best of the Mountain West along with our schools. 
I don't think George Kiyofkov sticks around to be commissioner of that. I don't see how the presidents could have any faith in the in him at that point if that's what happens. And I think that, you know, they backfill in the next cycle with San Diego State, SMU, and Boise State and Fresno State, and that becomes the new world Pac-12 conference. Now, it's not like the wor- it's not like you're left out of the playoff because you could argue that Oregon State in that grouping would be the powerhouse in the in the conference. You could argue that Oregon State or Utah, but it's not ideal because you're not going to get the media rights uh, distributions that the other conferences are getting, and you will very quickly over a 10 or 15 year period fall behind. So, um, you know, I am concerned about what's going to happen. I'm concerned about the Oregon schools getting split up. I don't want to see that happen. I think the best-case scenario is for the Pac-12 conference to get its feet underneath it and pull a rabbit out of the hat, so to speak, in the 11th hour of this negotiation. Bob Thompson, the former Fox Sports president, told me this morning, I said to him, hey, could ESPN, could Apple, could they see what's happening? Would they come back with a more meaningful offer? He says nothing's done till it's signed. And those kinds of things have happened in other deals. Let's go to the phone lines, 503-417-7575. Sean's in Sandy. Sean, go ahead. Hey, the schools are uh, gotten into the sports business, and the snakes are turning on each other, John. Yeah. I mean, I don't really care about where teams are playing. They talk about, you know, going back east. Well, look at our basketball sports and look at baseball. They all start West Coast time. Those guys all got to come out here. Flying ain't a big deal. I'm not going to put that at it. But I think it's bad for all schools on the West Coast, I think it ain't good. And it's real sad that it's come to this, you know, and people don't stick together, you know, and, and they're doing it just for a few bucks here and there. And I'm not, I don't mean just to be little, it's a few bucks. I mean, it's big money. But still, you know, if they came together and, and did it in a better way, they could always recuperate. And the commissioners are going to get a lot of blame for this. You know, Klyovkov hasn't made it happen. The commissioner before that was real bad. And uh, this is just what it's come to. And I just hope they start, uh, Oregon starts scheduling as many out-of-conference games they can with good schools in the SEC because they're going to look at, you know, we try to get to a championship. Now they're going to look, well, who will we play? You know, they're going to go, well, who did Oregon play? A bunch of blame teams on the West Coast. They better get Boise wow. State in here. They now, better do something. I think, I think you gotta, we got you got to know this. We need to keep eyes on Arizona and Arizona State and Utah right now. Because that faction, that triangle of, of uh, power in the Pac-12 conference right now is holding this thing together. If they do decide, hey, we move as a block or we don't move, that could be good for the Pac-12 and the Pac-12 stability. Because it does give George Kriovkov a chance to go back to ESPN, go back to Apple, whoever he's negotiating with at this point, and say, hey, if you really want something to bid on in the Pacific time zone, this is it. This is the best thing going on. And I think, you know, there's still a shot there for the Pac-12 to pull it out. I also think there's some interesting tentacles with Michael Crow, who is viewed as a hardline Pac-12 guy, president at Arizona State. You got Robert Robbins at Arizona, who may have aspirations to end up in that vacant president seat at Stanford. There's been some some talk about Robbins being a candidate there. Would he really blow up? the Pac-12 conference, leave it and unravel it, and then go, hey, please consider me for the Stanford job. Would he really do that? I don't know. And I and there's Utah. Utah, does Utah want to be in the Big 12 with BYU? I, I, I would sense no. 
And I think the Big 12 Conference probably doesn't covet Utah in the way that the Pac-12 covets Utah. I think Utah is one of the powers now in the Pac-12 Conference. But if I'm the Big 12 Conference, I'm going, yeah, there's a great rivalry with BYU. Gives us some inventory. But we already have Salt Lake City. There are some things that I think work in the Pac-12's favor if the three schools decide to stick together. If they don't, if it's everyone for themselves, which would really be sad, I don't know if there's much of a chance to hold this together because I think Arizona would go off to the Big 12. I think Oregon, Washington, Cal, and Stanford would be sitting waiting for the Big 10. Uh, I think Oregon State, Washington State would be going, hey, wait, don't totally implode. Um, But it, it really does. I mean, I just think it's really unfortunate that it has come to this. Is it mismanagement? Is it bad leadership? Could be. I need to see the TV deal, though. I need to know more of what happened behind the scenes because it's possible that Fox just gave the Pac-12 conference the middle finger, said, you know what, we don't need to buy you. We don't need to negotiate with you. We can destabilize you and then pick off your carcass and take the best markets. And that appears to be what's happening right now. Let's go to Gary in Tualatin. Gary, welcome to the show. Hey, John. Go Ducks. Uh, sounds like the uh, the presidents weren't impressed with the uh, the streaming uh, deal either. Um, Arizona looks like they're going to bolt, um, and so it comes down really to do we stick in the, stick together with the Pac-10, bring in teams like uh, Hawaii, Boise, nobody's talking about uh, Hawaii. San Jose. Nobody's I think Hawaii would be a good good addition. Yeah, I think it'd be they, a great the, addition. The TV market. Or do we and, go? Yeah, nobody's talking about Hawaii, but. Boise State would be a better, I think, choice there. Yeah, but uh, you're also looking at what will it look like five years from now. I, like I've been saying all along, Big 12 with, with us in there would uh, would start looking like a fun fun uh, league. You could still throw, less, transport, uh, less travel. Uh, it's a good option. But what, what do you think better the two, Big 12 or Big 10? I think it, Big 12 is problematic. If, if you're talking about it from Oregon's standpoint, I think. Is he talking about Oregon's standpoint, Stephen? I, I assume so, yeah, because he, he said we, and I think that was Oregon. I, I don't think Oregon wants any part of the Big 12 conference, and I don't think Washington wants any part of the Big 12 conference. And I was told by somebody that Washington had sort of le- intimated that they had done no legwork on the potential even to join the Big 12. like There just doesn't seem to be a, a real desire for a school in the Pacific Northwest to join the Big 12 and, and get into that business. It's, you know, you're, it, it, it largely was a lateral move before all this chaos, right? At best, a lateral move. The Pac-12 still has better markets. It's got great schools. Stanford, Cal, Washington, Oregon, Utah, Oregon State. Like, you go start to go through the schools, and you're like, gosh, there are better schools in the Pac-12. So why don't the TV partners, the linear partners, why aren't they wanting to buy it? It really, to me, comes down to Fox saying, we don't need to buy it if it implodes. We'll just pick off markets. I think Oregon would would love to be in the Big Ten Conference if the Pac-12 doesn't exist, but I think Oregon's first choice, and I've heard this from key decision-makers at Oregon, I think that Oregon's first choice would be to be in a stable Pac-12 conference, getting a decent number that was maybe comparable to what the Big 12 was getting. If you, could, if you can bridge that, 
I think Oregon would be happy because why? Oregon can get to the college football playoff from the Pac-12. It cannot get to the playoff in the Big Ten. It won't happen. But like Dan Wetzel said in the opening segment, you know, Oregon can get into the playoff. You know, if it if it, if you were in a less than Pac-12, that it let's just say Arizona leaves on its own. Arizona State and Utah are left behind. Big 12 goes to 14. Pac-12 says, okay, we're at eight. We're going to add SMU and San Diego State. Now you're back to 10. I think Oregon would be happy to be in that conference because it knows it can win that conference with some regularity, or it can be second in the conference in other years, and it can get to the playoff again and again and again. But I, d- I just don't like the idea that television's trying to sell us on the concept that only 50 or 60 teams in America are worth a damn. We know better than that. You've been to college football stadiums. You know there are uh, a vast array. There's 93 schools that play in the Power Five conference. And Fox is trying to tell us, hey, only about 50 or 60 really matter. You know, I would push back against that. I hope you do, too. I want more of your phone calls, 503-417-7575. we got a lot of other things to talk about, but we are taking your phone calls right now on the subject of uh, college athletics, college football. If you missed it today, Yahoo Sports breaking the news that uh, the Big Ten has begun some exploratory discussions about expanding their membership from 16 to 18 teams or maybe even 20 teams. 20? Oregon, Washington, Cal, Stanford, if it wants to go to 20. All four currently in the Pac-12. What happens? Well, we'll find out in the next 24 to 72 hours. I am certain of that. Pac-12 has to be scrambling right now, trying to find more dollars, trying to find a better media deal, trying to ensure that it can hold the line. The Big Ten Conference does not seem interested in being the death blow to the Pac-12. So you have that going for you if you're the Pac-12 Conference. But what do you want as a fan? As a fan of Oregon or Washington or Oregon State or Washington State or the Pac-12 or maybe not even a fan of the Pac-12? What What's on your mind? Let's go to Austin, Texas. Matt calling in. Matt, you're all over the country. Welcome. <laughs> John, I appreciate it. I'm back. I uh, I had to give you a call. So I guess my question for you is, you know, because as an Oregon fan, I mean, I'm I would I mean, I think that the Big Ten is the obvious option um, if if we can if they'll have us. Even if we would take a pay cut compared to everybody else, I think that it's obvious. I think that if we stick around with the pack and we receive our 20 million, and yeah, you know, we get to go to the college football playoff playoff every year. Well, the reality of it is is we're going to be making $60 million less than, than some of these other teams in the country on a yearly basis, right? And so I guess my, my question for you is, you know, in terms of joining the Big 12 and joining the Big 10, you mentioned that Oregon doesn't, you know, have any interest in the Big 12. Well, I mean, at this point, can we be picky? I mean, staying in the mm-hmm. Pac-9 or whatever it might be, that seems like a death sentence. I mean, is that do you, do you agree or disagree? Well, a couple of things. I want to keep you on here because first, first, you know, everybody's buying the idea that it was twenty million dollars. That was the media rights deal. Sure. I'm being told that it's more. So I'm okay. wondering how much more we don't know. Can it get close to thirty-one six or whatever the Big 12's number is? Starts to creep up there. It starts to give Arizona, Arizona State, Utah some something to think about. Um, the other thing is the big, the Big Ten's deal. Everybody. You know, initially thought it was a billion-dollar deal, which was like $80 million per school, and everybody was celebrating. It now looks like it's more like 68. 
That's still a big difference. That's still a, I mean, it's still an enormous difference. But it gives you some context for what people are talking about. My concern with Oregon, if Oregon leaves the Pac-12 and goes into the Big Ten, is will it ever compete really for a berth to the playoff or it is in the same position it's in now with the four-team playoff because it just would be so infrequently that it could get past Ohio State and Penn State and everybody. I just don't know. I don't know how often Oregon could get there in a tw- in an 18 or 20 team conference would it be better off only, in the Pac-12 my only comment there is just we're certainly better off with 60 million or whatever it is a year in terms of competing with the Ohio states and you know even the SEC right and the you know as opposed to you know we are taking a big i mean a big backseat you know in but, terms but of, what happens if the big 10 what happens if <laughs> what happens if the Big Ten and Phil's the great equalizer? Don't let's not ignore him. But let's. What happens yeah, if the Big sure. Ten says, "Look, we're willing to take Stanford, Cal, Washington, and Oregon," and I and this was in Wetzel's story, but not at a full distribution. You're going to have to come in at like forty million a year. At the end of the day, John, in my opinion, we missed the initial boat and kind of eat it right and yeah. uh, suck it up and. You know, I think uh, the more success we have in the Big Ten, maybe you know, when when, time, when the time comes, we can we can equal the playing field. But you know, at the end of the day, we got beat here, right? Um, that that is that is that part is done. We've already lost, in my opinion. Um, and you know, at this, and we we're we're very much playing catch up. And I I just yeah. think that you know, um, not being the one that wants to break the camel's back yeah. with the pack, whatever. You know, we got I about mean, fifteen seconds. We got about fifteen seconds till the break. I think I get your point. I appreciate you calling in. I want to hear from other Duck fans. Do you agree with Matt in Austin, Texas, that Oregon's best place is in the Big Ten? Or are they better being a big fish in a small pond? 503-417-7575 is the number. More of your phone calls, so much more ahead. you got the BFT statewide. Pac-12 holding on with two hands, trying to get some footing. Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyovkov busy trying to get a granite right signed, figure out who's in his conference. Meanwhile, Arizona, depending on who you believe, what you believe, and but I got to be honest with you, I hardly trust anybody right now. Arizona exploring Big 12 membership, but would it go alone? Would it really abandon Arizona State? And will Arizona State, with hardliner Michael Crow as its president, Will it abandon the Pac-12 conference he loves so much? What happens to Utah? And if those go, is it just everybody run for the hills? I had one AD tell me that once upon a time when USC and UCLA left. They said if Oregon and Washington go, everybody's running for the hills. Well, Oregon and Washington didn't go. They're still in this conference. What happens next? One line open, 503-417-7575. Going to clear a whole bunch of calls here in this segment. Let's start with Mike, who's in Tualatin, Oregon. Mike, welcome. Yeah, hi, John. Uh, my, my feeling is that um, this might be, this may have been the Big Ten's plan all along mm-hmm. to create a, 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 a Big Ten West. And for Oregon and uh, Washington, California, Stanford, USC, UCLA, they play uh, each other every year on the Big Ten West side. They uh, mix in three or four other Big Ten opponents, 
they throw in a couple non-conference games, and that's their story. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a NFL light model, if you really think about it. And the ACC schools are all doing the same thing. And I think it's kind of sad because the ACC's got a great conference, and I always felt that the the college football landscape needed everybody to be part of it. It really bothered me when the Pacific time zone was more or less shut out of the college football playoff, the four-team playoff. It was a farce. And I think it, it really was the precursor to what we're seeing right now. It became less important. There was a de-emphasis of the Pac-12 in the Pacific time zone. And it fell behind. And not just on George Kleofkoff's watch, but on Larry Scott's watch, it really fell behind. Started to slip and slip and slip five, seven years ago. And now you're in this position where the SEC's got a foothold. The Big Ten's got a foothold. Big 12's trying to keep its head above water, and it's doing it with numbers, really, grabbing all the you know schools like you know Houston and BYU and Central Florida and others and trying to, you know, Louisville and trying to be like, okay, you know, we can matter to a certain extent, uh, you know, strength in numbers kind of thing. Pac-12 took the opposite stance. It said, hey, we've got great brands. We're not going to overextend ourselves. We're not going to take on a bunch of, you know, Boise State, Fresno State, uh, uh, San Diego States, and, you know, and, and here you're now in a position where it's now the Pac-9. What do you want to happen? What are you comfortable with? Mark in Portland joins the conversation. Mark, what's on your mind? Well, you know, I I think as an Oregon fan, a uh, long-time Oregon fan, I've seen them when they were down in the 70s and 80s, and then they, they you know, got to the Rose Bowl in the 90s, and, and won, they've won Rose Bowls. They're the only Pac-12 team that's won a playoff game in their four-team playoff, and they did it in historic fashion. So they've accomplished everything for me except g- getting to – a, uh, and when you say the, NF, the NFL and Division One football are similar, they're not similar at all. There's eight divisions in the NFL, and they treat them very equally. They don't, you know, let one conference division just, you know, take over. Like the guy you had on, Dan Witzel, he wrote the book "Death to the BCS" because he knows how corrupt the elites are. He knows the BC, the, the Big Ten, and the SEC have four teams playing on New Year's Day and big uh, payoff bowl games. So this this isn't something that just started with with the, the Big Ten and the SEC trying to eliminate the Pac-12. So I think Oregon, Utah, and Washington should be fighting their butts off to keep this conference alive because if their goal is to get to a playoff uh, and percentage-wise a lot more than they're getting there now, uh, that's the best route to get there. Going through the Big Ten, you know, with Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, you know, USC, um, it's it's just it's just going to be uh, it's going to be rigged like it's been kind of rigged, in my opinion, for forever in college football. The postseason, it's just not yeah. a real tr- postseason. So, I think staying in this the Pac-12 and making sure that we get an automatic bid, getting Fresno State. Uh, San Diego State, UNLV. What's wrong with the Vegas market? I don't hear anybody talking about that. That is at least a good place for the fans to go once a year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. I, and I and I agree with you. I think the play, if you are somebody who values seeing Oregon in the postseason, the play is to play for membership in a revamped Pac-12 conference that still has the automatic bids to the expanded playoff, and that one to me would have to include. 
Oregon and Washington. It would have to include Washington State and Oregon State. It would have to include Stanford and Cal. You're at six there. Yeah, Utah's number seven. Now you talk about how do you get to ten. And is Arizona State one of those teams? If it is, you're, you're at eight, and that's not too bad. Now you're adding San Diego State and SMU, and you're done. If it's not, maybe you do add somebody like UNLV. Chad is in Iowa. The phone number is 503-417-7575. Chad in Iowa. Welcome. Chad, not there, dumping that. Stephen, question time. I'm going to ask you questions now. I'm going to pepper you. Yeah. Do you think what's happening is going to turn off college football fans to the point where they'll go, if I wanted professional football, I get the NFL. I don't want this. I don't like this. I'm not watching. I'm not going to the stadium. I think it, worst case scenario, I think it could get there because the model that it seems to be going to is an NFL model. But the thing that college football has that the NFL doesn't is the environments and the atmosphere and the pageantry. If you're just going play, you know, the play on the field, the NFL is so much better than college football. And if college football is trying to copy the NFL and go with that model, they have a lesser product. So you have to somehow keep it, you know, Get get both sides of it. You have to get that environment and the pageantry along with the play on the field. Like the play on the field matters, but it's more about the stuff almost off the field more that matters more for college football and the excitement that it brings. So I do think if it does, you know, it's always been about money, but now it seems even more about money. It's all about TV and the TV markets and the you know the the broadcasters. I think it could. I don't. It will. It won't go away, but I do think it could turn some fans off. Where they're like, you know what, this just isn't college football anymore. This is just a minor league NFL, and it's just not as good. Let me ask you this one. Phil Knight, I reached out to Phil Knight through his reps that have connected me before. And the response that I got was, Phil would love to talk with you, but he's going to pass because he is afraid that he would say something he regretted. What is Phil Knight going to say in this instance that he would regret? Man, that's a uh, that's a good one. I would love to hear what he would have to say. Mm-hmm. I, I said that I, my reply was, "That's my job. That's why I want to talk to him." Yeah, that would, <laughs> that would be unbelievable to hear what he would have to say. I, it would have to be something, you know, basically trashing. I would guess like other conferences, maybe maybe the Big Ten. Like I, there's no way in hell I'm going to the Big Ten. Something like that. Or, something like that. Or or he wants to go to the Big Ten. Or is he going to trash Pac-12 leadership for not being visionary? That too. Yeah, I think yeah. it's one of those. It's, he's either trashing the Big Ten saying there's no way we're going there, or he's trashing Klyovkov and saying, you know what, this leadership was absolutely horrible, and you're putting us in a spot where we have to look to go to a different conference. We don't want to, but we have to do that. Because you know, you think about talk about this a little bit, Florida State, their president came out and said they're not happy. They had some trustees that come out and said, you know, it's not you know uh, when we move or if we move, it's when we move conferences so people are already out there and i think phil probably in the same boat of saying either you know i'm not going to the big 10 or i'm leaving the pac-12 once and for all let me ask you this one since i'm peppering you with questions san diego state and smu fans are reaching out to me left and right literally left and right i'll read you a couple messages i got from the their fan base um joel who's a san diego state fan dm'd me at 3:59 p.m this sucks uh, another SMU fan uh, sent me a DM on Twitter, 3.47 p.m. It's not looking good, is it? The SMU fans and the San Diego State fans felt like they were in play 
with the Pac-12? How should they feel today? Uh, I'm with them. and They should feel not great. It, you know, Every report basically is saying the Pac-12 schools are looking or at least exploring other options. And if you're San Diego State and you're SMU, your one chance to get into a Power 5 was the Pac-12. I don't think I don't think there's any chance that the Big 12 will go after SMU. San Diego State maybe to the Big 12, but if the Pac-12 abolishes, I think they would go with the Pac-12 schools first and then San Diego State left in the Mountain West. The problem also with, you know, those schools or especially San Diego State going to the Pac-12 is the exit fee. Like they're going to have to negotiate that down. But, you know what? I think it's a, it was, you know, a bad news day today, but again, it could be positive because we don't yet know all of the details in the media rights deal. And I think that is the big that's the big hopeful point if you're a San Diego State or SMU fan that something is in there that spur, that sparks positivity and confidence in these other Pac-12 schools and they stay together because I do think if the Pac-12 stays together, they need to get schools. And SMU and San Diego State would be the first two schools you're calling. So there's still hope for them. But if you're a fan of those schools, man, I, I don't see how you get in a Power 5 uh, if the Pac-12 goes away. So you, you can't be feeling good about it. You have to be a little bit worried if you were those schools. Um, you know, I I just I'm left thinking about this whole thing and I and you know, I love the calls that we're getting and I I think we're getting real people who care about their school, care about the conference, and I think there's a um faction of Oregon fans that probably if they're being honest with themselves, they really just want to be included with major college football. They do not want to be left behind. They feel like they belong in major college football. But I'm going to talk for a minute here about Oregon State and Washington State. How should they feel today if they're looking up going, hey, especially Oregon State, stadium improvements, paying their coaches, 10-win season, pouring resources into the program, have been a good, uh, have been a good soldier in the conference, um, finally in a position to potentially compete at the top of the conference, and now uh, you know, the Big Ten is saying, yeah, we don't necessarily need you because you're not the brand, you don't have the brand of Oregon, and you don't have the media market of the Bay Area or Seattle. And that's frankly what it's about. Like Stanford's got some clout and prestige because it's Stanford. And and Cal's in the Bay Area, uh, you know, number five media market in the country. Seattle's a a nice-sized media market. It's the same reason why, frankly, the Big 12 Conference is interested in Arizona. They want Phoenix. And they were interested in Colorado. They want Denver. Again, it comes back to TV households. But what about Oregon State and Washington State? Would they be better off in a Pac-12 conference that was salvaged, making a little money, Oregon and Washington, Utah, stick behind? Or are they better off if it turns into a glorified Mountain West conference and Oregon State is left behind and you know has to compete against San Diego State, San Jose State, Boise State, Fresno State for an automatic berth in the group of five? I think uh, I think they're rele- when they released their statement on last Friday on the 28th saying they show support for the Pac-12. I think that answered all the questions that they feel like being in the Pac-12 is their best route. And I think for them holding on to this, the name of the Pac-12, matter who's in it, is their best case scenario. You don't want to go downgrade into a conference. And I know that, like you're saying, you know they could get in with a group of five uh, berth. But at the same time, you're going to not get the respect. You're going to have to go undefeated and beat maybe a couple really good teams. I think for Oregon State right now, they've done it right. They've built their program slowly. It's been a slow burn. They've done a great job, and they've done it the right way. And Jonathan Smith has that thing rolling. It's terrible timing for them if the Pac-12 is to go away because right now they have a legitimate chance of being at the top of the conference this season and next season. 
and they've done it the right way, John. Like, yeah. they would have and all the respect sucky, in the world. How sucky is it that this is what we're talking about as fall camps are open? Utah's, you know, in day three of their camp. Oregon State's got practice. Oregon's got practice. Got these great teams at Washington and USC. And this is what all that anybody's talking about across the country because, you know, the money and the television involved. You're right. It sucks. And, like, uh, you know, there, Jam Griffin of Oregon State, he left the program a couple of days ago. That'd usually be big news because he's yeah. a big-time player. And think about where they are as a program, too. You know, you get a guy who came from Georgia Tech. He was a highly touted guy. They lost him, but you know what? That running back room is awesome. Like, that's how good. They didn't necessarily need him. That's how good they are right now. And so it does suck that it's like we're talking about potentially Oregon State going down to the Mountain West rather than competing for Pac-12 titles and, you know, outside shot, cultural player for the next couple seasons. Let's go to Tony, who's in Vancouver. Tony, weigh in. Go ahead. Yeah, you guys stole my thunder. I'm in the I don't care business. You know, that college football is basically cutting its own throat. If I was the NFL, I'd start scheduling primetime games on Saturday from 1 they to are. 8. They're going to. Just, you watch it. Just go ahead and choke them out of business because uh, they ruined the sport to me. You know, you, you just can't hang teams like Oregon State and Washington, Oregon. You can't hang them out to dry like that. That's just that's Bush League. Yeah, Thank you, John. Well, they, they have. Television's doing that. I don't like it. Is it an antitrust issue? I think, you know. It's interesting. I mean, Wetzel pointed out the hypocrisy of college commissioners looking to Congress for intervention on NIL, going, hey, this isn't fair, this isn't equitable, while they are destabilizing each other and raiding schools and potentially violating uh, antitrust laws by doing that. Uh, The NFL is going to be moving into Saturdays, and you've already seen the NFL with playoff games do it. Now, in the coming season, you'll see a couple more Saturday games You're also going to see the NFL schedule slide earlier, and then you're going to see college football try to slide earlier, and and you watch what happens. Uh, You know, when when the expanded playoff comes for the college football, watch how early they start the season. They may start it in the second week of August, for crying out loud, because they're trying to avoid uh, being head-to-head with some of the NFL games later in the season. Do you you think, worst-case scenario, the NFL could actually eliminate college football with the way that is going? I, I still think there's an appetite for college football. I do think that the the way that college athletics, the major conferences, are rolling out this this pirate game they're playing with each other, it's essentially chess played by pirates. They're drunken pirates is what they are. And television is there along for the ride. Um, I, I think this game they're playing is going to uh, alienate a lot of fans. And I think it's going to make it less fun. And I think you're going to see... Uh, some programs that were marquee programs left out, and I think everybody's scared, and I think everybody's running scared and operating out of fear, which shouldn't be the case. You know, the Big Ten, do they not have enough? Do, does Fox not have enough? Do they need a little more? I mean, you know, they got a billion-dollar TV deal. they got a great conference, 16 teams in it. The SEC seems to be happy where they are, but they're no less uh, less guilty. They took Texas and Oklahoma from the Big 12, and then they were like, well, we're, that's all the appetite we have. I mean, I get it. The SEC did it in their footprint. At least give them that. Then the Big 12 comes along, and, you know, they're going, hey, we just don't want to be in fifth place. And so, you know, they're acting super aggressive. And the Pac-12 could have killed the Big 12 a couple of years ago. Could have. Could have taken Texas Tech. Could have, could have grabbed Houston and TCU and, 
it would have been death to the Big 12 Conference, I don't think I would feel any better about it. I'd be looking at that going, wait a minute, this isn't college football. This isn't what we grew up on. This isn't what it's supposed to be. Let's go to Cal, who's in Eugene, listening on Fox Sports Eugene. So my thought, I've been kind of thinking a lot about the NCAA's role in a lot of this in terms of conference expansion and a lot of the NIL and things like that as well. Because in terms of, like, the good of the game, you know, maybe for Texas it's better to move to the SEC and for Colorado it's better to move back to, to the Big 12. But for the good of the game, should the NCAA have a little bit of control or, you know, having other teams vote like they might do in professional athletics to say, hey, for the good of the NCAA game, we need to kind of manage how these conferences work. What seems to be is that, you know, for years and years and years, everybody hated the NCAA saying you have way too many rules, way too many regulations. And finally, the NCAA is like, fine, um, you know what, pay your players whatever you want. Uh, we'll let anybody transfer anywhere, anytime. And now I'm curious if the NCAA is kind of sitting back and saying, look, we told you so. Now it's Wild West, and it's not really going the direction that we had originally envisioned it. Yeah. I think there's going to be a real separation of the NCAA. You know, the question that keeps coming up, and it's a great point by Cal. You know, when we do these interviews, like we you know interview Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, or Brett Yormark, even the Big 12 commissioner, when John Willner and I interviewed him, and and uh, George Klyovkov or Gloria Navarez. We recently had the Mountain West Conference Commissioner on. And it's, his, it's a universal question. It's the same question that keeps coming up. How do you balance the mission of higher education with what is happening? Or how do you rectify it or frame it with what is happening in college athletics today? Because these are two different missions, and they are not congruent. They, are, they fly in opposition of each other. And I think it's a real problem in... You know, I don't think, unfortunately, you can put the genie back in the bottle, but if the NCAA could come in and say, look, we are here for the preservation of these conferences, no, you cannot leave a conference without approval from the NCAA and a damn good reason. Um, you know, maybe they would have let Colorado go back because Colorado could make an argument, hey, we started there, hey, it's better money, like, you know. But uh, I think it's really sad that we're in a position where it appears to be not just unrestricted free agency for players in the transfer portal in NIL, but there's unrestricted free agency right now going on with schools that are being uh, enticed, and there is tampering going on. And I have to wonder if we really unpacked the Big 12 Conference, the Big 10 Conference, all of this, I have to wonder where Fox's fingerprints would show up uh, if, if we're being real. All of the consulting firms, all of the destabilization, the game that's being played on social media with all the fake accounts and all the stuff, it's, you know, the narrative that's been creative. You know, the Big 12 did a really nice job of creating a narrative out there that the Pac-12 has had a hard time dealing with. Um, yep, I, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's just really sad, you know, really Sad. Leave it here. Anna's in the studio. I have a question. I tweeted out, I think it was yesterday. I tweeted out that um, I was in Bed Bath & Beyond one time. And I think it was with you, Anna. We were in Bed Bath & Beyond. And I don't know what I was doing in Bed Bath & Beyond. But LaMarcus Aldridge was in Bed Bath & Beyond. Blazers uh, power forward. Now, I saw L.A., and I walked over to him and I said, what in the world are you doing here? And he said, buying pillowcases. Everybody needs pillowcases. <laughs> and then 
<laughs> he smiled and walked off. Uh, I asked people, who did you bump into in the wild? And the responses are pretty good. They're awesome. I'm reading through them you right now. You want to read now. some of them? Go ahead. Well, it's funny because a lot of the same people keep coming up. Somebody else ran into LaMarcus Aldridge when he was just hanging out at a grocery store. So he gets around. A uh, lot of people run into Brian Grant. He's mentioned a couple of times. Uh, Charles Barkley, when he was playing for the Suns, guy says that he was a DJ at a downtown Portland club. And Barkley came up to his booth and asked if he could look at his vinyl. And then he allowed it, and Barkley played his selection. Uh, there's some great ones. I love Aubrey, who says she ran into Zebo at Cheesecake Factory at Washington Square Mall. Washington <laughs> Square. <laughs> I, uh, I love one, says, um, you know, a uh, guy says he ran into Sean Kemp. At a Spencer's store in a mall. Spencer's. Another guy says he ran into Bo Jackson at the Atlanta airport, and then he followed up with, you don't want to meet your heroes. <laughs> and uh, another person said they met Pete Rose and said, never meet your heroes. Another person said, uh, I ran into Heidi Klum. I didn't say anything to her. Also had a chance encounter with Cindy Crawford. Wow. Wow, look at this guy. Yeah. Um Another person said uh, Ken Griffey Jr. in the Atlanta airport was the celebrity brush that they had. So I want to throw this out to our radio listeners. As I read those off, I'm sure your celebrity brush crossed your mind. Who did you run into? Where? Under what circumstances? What was said? 503-417-7575. Weigh in now. I want to hear about it. Uh, Stephen, do you have a celebrity brush in your life? Uh, yeah, a couple. When I was really little, I want to say it was 93 or something like that, we were at Dairy Queen, and uh, we, in fact, saw Deion Sanders at Dairy Queen. No. Yeah, back in the day. and we were Coach like, Prime. Coach Prime, and we saw him, and he had these big earrings, and we're like, why would Deion Sanders be in Portland? Then later out, we found out he was in Portland for some event. Um, so, I mean, we don't. I can't confirm it was him, but I'm 99% sure it was him. Uh, it happened <laughs> one time. We were, Maybe uh, ran into Deion Sanders. I, I, I'm convinced it was him. I'm 100. percent But you know, uh, one time we were at Chipotle, we were walking out and we saw Greg Oden and uh, mm. Coach Vaughn goes, "Hey, Greg Oden." He's like, "Hey, what's up?" Uh, so that I was a good. That. that was a good one. Um, and then one time on our way back from Vegas, uh, I sat next to Terry Porter when he was the head coach of the University of Portland. He was doing some scouting stuff, so that was pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Did you talk to him? You sat right next to him on the flight? Yeah, literally right next to him on the flight. You, just watching Did film. you chat him up, or what did you do? Uh, I, I said, what's up, and just said, you know, and then my wife, you know, she, Coach Vaughn, she starts talking to him about coaching and stuff like that. So she mostly, you know, took the, over the conversation. That's really interesting. I like that. Uh, I, uh, your, your mom sat on a plane next to Tanya Harding. Oh, yeah. My mom, like, preached oh. to her. Adjacent seats yeah. with Tanya Harding. My mom started giving her testimony. It's a really uh, interesting conversation, may I'm sure. Have set her straight. Did Maybe. It work Who knows? I like the guy on Twitter that says he nearly killed Jerome Kersey when he was jaywalking, leaving Lloyd Center Cinemas. Like Jerome, not the guy. He said he swerved and narrowly avoided taking him out. Good. I'm glad he missed him. <laughs> um, I was on an elevator one time in Hollywood in a hotel. Uh-huh. Friend of mine on the elevator with us. We're going down the ho to the hotel lobby. Yeah. The door. We stop on like the fifth floor. The door is open. Sinbad gets on. Yeah. And we're both looking at each other. 
kind of elbowing each other like yeah. Sinbad. Yeah. And then when Sinbad came, actually came on this show in studio, I mentioned it to Sinbad. He had no recollection of the uh, brush with me. So it was a one-way celebrity brush. <laughs> you expected him to remember? No, I just said, Sinbad, Ray, well, this is not the first time we met. Remember that time? Remember that one time? Remember that time we were on the elevator together? All right, I want to go to the phone lines. Your celebrity brush, Nathan's in Tigard. Nathan, who'd you see? I met Bill Russell at Band and Dunes when I caddied there. Nice. What was he like? Well, it was backed up, and I was in the group behind him, and we caught up to him. I forgot what hole, and my golfer went up to him and asked him, Mr. Russell, are you as good at golf as you are at basketball? And he looked at us all with a straight face, and he said, nobody's that good at golf. (laughs) I love it. I love that. You get a memory, not just a celebrity brush, a memory. Uh, On Twitter, a listener of the show says that – she ran into Arvita Sabonis. His wife and her mother were getting their hair done at the same time. Apparently, this uh, person was 11 or 12 years old, sitting in a waiting room in John's Landing at a hair salon, waiting for uh, Arvita Sabonis's mother to finish getting her hair done. I love it. <laughs> Jeff is in Gresham. Jeff, welcome to the show. Celebrity Brush. Hey, guys. Yeah, I was in, in Gresham. G.I. Joe's back in the old days in the 80s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I go back to the fishing counter, and there's this guy signing autographs and some rookie blazer. My buddy and I, we didn't know who it was. We look, and he says, do you want your autograph? I said, well, sure. Who are you? And he says, well, my name's Terry Porter. So, okay, Terry <laughs> signed my autograph, and he signed it. And I went, who the hell is Terry Porter? Anyway, I uh, got Terry Porter, and look, he's one of the best Blazers ever, you know? Yeah. That was my There you fun. go. Love that. I love that you got that experience. Uh, Bryce on Twitter says that he once peed in a bathroom next to Rick Meyer. Wow. At, at a music venue in Seattle. How about that? Do you, talk, do you talk to him at that point? Hey, Rick. No, on, you don't. You don't make eye contact. <laughs> in fact, we were in Vegas one time, Anna, and we were at one of those nightclubs. And I went into the bathroom, and there was a boxer in the bathroom. Yeah. And he had a bodyguard with him. Okay. okay. And I didn't recognize who the boxer was, but he was somebody. Apparently he was fighting in Vegas and happened to stop in at the club. Okay. And he was probably, he was one of these smaller guys. Yeah. I would have had to Google, or I would have had to ask somebody, hey, who is that? Right. But because we're in a bathroom, Stephen, what happens? I don't say nothing. No, you There's can't. No word. You don't say anything. You don't yeah. talk in the bathroom. I mean, have you ever? I've been in bathrooms where people are talking. It's very, very awkward. Not, not my favorite thing. One, uh, one other one I have outside of sports. When I was an Uber driver, uh, I picked up Olivia Newton-John's daughter twice. Oh, <laughs> I love that. She had some stories that I had to, I had to figure it out. I had to put it all together of who it was. She didn't want to tell me who she was, and I figured it out, but. She had some Wait, very so she stories. like dropped hints in the course of your Uber ride that yeah. her mom was Olivia Newton-John? <laughs> yeah, she's like because that would be a really hard one to identify. She goes, you know? well, she goes, my mom is a, you know a worldwide singer, well known, yada yada yada, and then yeah. had a bunch of different stories um, that yeah. she told. But okay. back when back when Olivia you know, was alive and really famous, you know, going down to uh, Trump's place down in Florida, that was some interesting stories she had for that one, and then just other stories about the industry. Very, huh. she was very nice though. I was in college, and I was in uh, uh, Lake Tahoe, and I went to a craps table. Yeah. And Ed and Charles O'Bannon were playing craps at the same table. That was pretty cool. They were uh, fresh off of UCLA fame. 
And uh, it was nice to see uh, them be normal people. Hmm. Carrie's in Eugene, listening on Fox Sports Eugene. Carrie, Celebrity Brush, go. Um, two guys. Same. I, I worked at, uh, it was back in 1977, it was the nicest hotel in, in uh, Boise, Boise, Idaho. And it it was back right up to the river at this great pool at the time. And um, uh, ran into Jimmy Carter. He was out at the pool, President Carter, when he was with uh, uh, Amy. He was out there with his daughter. And then mm. the following summer, I'm walking down the sidewalk, and um, Clint East was walking down there. I'm like, I know you. You're Clint East? I, I was just a wise-ass kid, busboy, mm-hmm. you know. I and he was it, filming Every Which Way But Lose, that one with Clyde or whatever. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. there were a couple of them. Back that's pretty day. good, though. I like that. Eastwood, I'm impressed with that one. That's that's like a quality celebrity brush. You know what I mean? <laughs> it is, yeah. That's not like Olivia Newton-John's daughter. Whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa, okay? whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> There's sort of A-level celebrity brushes yeah. in B, C, and D-level. Uh, the gardener of Olivia Newton-John or John Travolta's gardener. Is that I, Trump, Olivia's daughter? I, I don't know. I don't know, but I love Olivia Newton-John. She was like uh, watching Grease when I was a child. Loved yes. her. Loved her. Let's go to Norm, who is in Portland. Norm in Portland, welcome. John, thank you for taking my call. You bet. I I had a uh, couple of famous athletes or coaches. Uh, Daryl Imhoff. Yep. Uh, he came out to visit his son, who was out at the uh, outdoor school program that I worked at. Nice. Big giant guy. Oh God, yes. You you know his claim to fame, don't you? Um, I know he. What, give me his claim to fame, but all-star team, Olympic gold medalist. Uh, what he else? was also the person that was guarding Wilt Chamberlain when oh, Wilt yeah. scored a hundred points. Okay, he probably didn't advertise that. He probably didn't want to talk no. about that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Stone uh, Monson, when he was coaching at U of O, we were on a flight from Phoenix. And he was sitting right next to me. Very enjoyable conversation during that flight. Really nice. I like that. Yes. There you go. Thank you, Norm. Appreciate that. Bob's in Milwaukee. Bob, what do you got? Bob in Milwaukee. Not there. Let's go to Tony in Vancouver. Tony in Vancouver. Celebrity brush. Yeah. I took my sons to a boxing ma- a pro boxing match at the Lucky Eagle Casino. And uh, I went outside. You know, my son was really aggressive. He took his program, was getting all the fighters autographs, asking them for their gloves, and he was really aggressive. But uh, I was sitting out in front, uh, in front of the casino, and a limo pulls up, and Mr. T hmm. showed up. He was good friends with John Mugabe, who was the who was the main event at that that night of the fight. So he went and sat on the front row. And I told my son, like, go get his autograph, right? <laughs> so he went up and handed him his program and asked him for his autograph. As soon as he gave him the program, the ring announcer called Mr. T into the ring. And he took my son's program up there. He, he looked at me and goes, am I going to get that back? And I go, yeah, yeah, he'll give it back. <laughs> so he came back down and he sat down and he, and he rushed into a briefcase and pulled a picture out and signed it for my son and gave it Aww. to him. Yeah, that's I nice. never met Mr. T, but my son did, and, and that's what you know, was kind of a neat deal. That's a cool one. So. I like that. Mr. T. Is he still alive? I pity the fool. We're going to play that game again? Alive. No, alive. Alive? Alive? Good. Okay. 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 J- saw J.J. Hickson once gambling, playing blackjack. We were, we were with him. 
Is Clubber Lang alive? I am. Uh, oh yeah, that's his real name. Stephen no, said he's alive. Clubber Lang was, uh, you was, know, fictional character. Yeah, that was the that was the character's yeah. name, wasn't it? Mr. T. Do we know Mr. T's real name? Mister. No, I don't know. <laughs> Mister. First name Mister. Mister T. Last name T. Seventy-one years old. Alive. Alive. Wow. Right. Right. His real name is Lawrence Turiad. Oh, there you go. That's why you go about well, Mr. T. Right. B.A. Baracus for uh, people who remember the A-team. <laughs> okay, let's go to Brian in Roseburg. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Um, I played basketball in a celebrity fundraiser game in the 1990s, I guess. Okay. Early 1990s where Fresh Prince had just started. And so I actually played against Will Smith. Um actually guarded him for most of the game, blocked a shot, took a charge from him. And um, so... What did you think uh, when he slapped Chris Rock? Did, did you uh, did you go like, hey, I once played hoops with that guy? Well, I think that what it was was that was, the, the you know, his delayed aggression after me humiliating him. <laughs> after you humiliated him on the court. <laughs> yeah. So. Did, he, did he handle the fact that you blocked his shot well, or did, did he have a little bit of a temper then? No, he didn't, because, you know, he didn't. He was... Uh, he was, uh, he, and at the time, I mean, he, I think it was the first year of Fresh Prince. So, no, yeah. he was just out there, a, a basketball player. He's pretty athletic. Um, I, I at the time, I thought he, he's he was a little bit better athlete than I thought he was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's a better athlete than he was a basketball player. Right. But they had a really they had a, they had some really good players on this team. Johnny Lamb Jones, who uh, played at the University of Texas and played for the Rams and. Um, some uh, some other uh, like Santa Barbara uh, was a whatever a soap opera, and they had a guy on the team that was just he was amazing. He was on the Canadian Junior yep. Olympic team. So I love that. Yeah, so, All right, thanks for that, yeah. Brian and Roseburg. Let's go to truck driver Ken, who's out in the middle of damn nowhere. Uh, truck driver Ken, how you doing? Good. <laughs> I can't believe you quoted that one on the air. <laughs> yeah. Out in the middle of damn nowhere. Give us an idea. Set the scene as you look around. Driving truck right now? Oh, yeah. Uh, a couple of horse farms here. Uh, one of them, I helped build some stuff up on it, and then I ended up paving the driveway because we tore up the driveway with the mm-hmm. trucks. We were running in and out of there. Mm-hmm. But, what uh, what was your rate, celebrity brush? A dozen brush? years ago, I, uh, I was driving town car for a while, and I'd bump into folks all the time, but... One of my favorites was just a screw-up. It's You know, when there's a VIP, you're supposed to send two drivers, and one of them goes inside with a, a sign that says who you're trying. Mm. Well, our dispatcher, idiot, double-booked. I had to go out there, park the damn thing in the parking structure, walk in with a sign. I'm picking up Jim Gaffigan. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I spot him. Well, we got a problem. And uh, he says, what's that? I said, the car ain't out there waiting for us. It's in the parking garage. He says, well, let's go get it. So we just walked in, got the car checked out. We told each other jokes all the way to downtown. I love it. Whose jokes were better? I tickets to see the show, and I couldn't get off that night to see him. Oh, oh nice Truck guy. driver Ken, what a nice guy. That's a good yeah. story. I love that. That's a great story. I love that. More of your celebrity brushes coming up The 5 at 5. Punch It Audio, and Bill Riley with ESPN 700 is going to give us uh, the lowdown on the Utah Utes. Where 
are they right now? How much has changed in the last 24 hours in the Utah world? Bill Riley, ESPN 700, coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. But more of your celebrity brushes next. All right, here we go. More celebrity brushes. What is your celebrity brush? I was telling Anna during the commercial break earlier, Anna got a pedicure today. Anna got a pedicure. Newsflash. Is that, you got some me time? Yeah. You got some me time on that? I My me time right now is dedicated to two things. One, figuring out what's going on with the Pac-12 conference. Two, we got a garbage can that is stinky. <laughs> I know. I also went to McDonald's today. Can I claim that? Yeah. Can I ask you a question about the drive-thru? Stephen, maybe you can weigh in on this as well. You know how they have, sometimes they have two drive-thrus? Yes. And let's just say, you know, it's weird to me when there's a line at the drive-thru and you have to pick one or the other. Mm -hmm. If you arrive and place your order, and how do you alternate? Should it be each line alternates or is it like alignment and realignment in college football? It's everyone for themselves. What is that about? Uh, I think it should be like merging on the freeway. It should be like the zipper system. But I've noticed, particularly at McDonald's, that people are very aggressive. They want their yeah. food. Yeah, they do. They don't wait their turn. And if you hesitate, even for a moment, yep. because there's no red light, green light. There's just, you know, go. And uh, people will just seize on your hesitation and, and jut up ahead of you. Is it bad form? If you take a trailer into the drive-thru, you know, because I saw somebody had a trailer in the drive-thru. It kind of was gumming up the works. Okay, I don't fault them for that. Just park and go inside. What's wrong What's with having wrong? a trailer, trailer in the drive-thru? It's too long. It messes up the merge. Fine. When you got a trailer involved in this, Stephen, who's out of line? I think you're out of line on that one. I mean, if you got a trailer, you got a trailer. But what, what's the big deal? You don't need to go in. That's what the drive-thru is no. for. Trailer was in front of me. Guy on the other side went after the trailer. Well, see, that's that's on you. You need to recognize there's a trailer in front of that line and go on the other line. Yeah, I followed the trailer. It was probably my fault. Let's go to the phone lines. Celebrity brushes. Let's go to Roger, who's in Vancouver, is going to share his. Go ahead, Roger. I got a couple for you, John, if you can hear me. Yeah, I got you. So if, is it a real celebrity brush if you're tackled by or tackle a Hall of Famer during high school football? Yeah, it can be. Who was it? Junior, Junior Seau. I played against him in high school. He, he tackled you. And I tackled him. So I can wow. say I tackled him was tackled by a Hall of Famer. What was it like to tackle Junior Seau? It, it was not easy by one person. <laughs> he played quarterback. He played quarterback uh -huh. on offense, too. He, oh. oh, I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, he played power forward. He's amazing power forward. In uh, basketball as well. A little bit of DJ Uyunglele under center there. Uh, imagine trying to tackle Junior Seau. Randy's in Canby. Randy, welcome to the conversation. Hi, guys. How you doing? Doing well. Hey, just I'll break it down into two spots. Um, I was involved with uh, some corporations that sponsored golf tournaments here in the Northwest. And, uh, first of all, the quarterback shootout with Neil Lomax, um, I played golf with George Blanda as a foursome, got a picture on the 13th tee box, uh, had dinner with him at the same table that evening with his wife. A uh, couple of funny things. I'm standing on the driving range prior to, and Coriel Stewart, I think was his name, Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Colorado quarterback, played for the Steelers, yeah. 
Yeah, he had just got a contract like 30 days earlier, and he had a chain that was halfway down to his belly button and it was as thick as my thumb. <laughs> and anyway, Jim McMahon was on the other side of me, and Cornell was on this side, and uh, Jim had his sunglasses on. Anyway, I hit a three iron, and I broke my club. And Cornell Stewart just starts laughing. He goes, here, take mine. I can't hit it either. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. He's got a sports story involving athletes. That's love, what we needed. I love the detail about the yeah. chain. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like the detail in the chain. I like. I like, I couldn't stop thinking about Jim McMahon though. Once he record, once he said Jim McMahon was part of that equation, Jim McMahon was such an interesting figure in the 1980s and mid 80s to right around the time when the Bears were 85, 86, 87. They he was a problem for Pete Rozelle, the NFL commissioner. Pete, younger folks may not remember that, but Jim McMahon was outspoken. He was a burr in the saddle of Pete Rozelle. Ben is in Eugene, listening on Fox Sports. Eugene, Ben, go ahead. Hi. So one time I went to church with my family and we were on vacation and baked for my grandparents to go to church every Sunday. And we look a couple rows ahead of us and Arnold Schwarzenegger sitting there with his family, just going through the motions of church at the same time as we were. Mm. Was this Maria Shriver days? Yeah, it was Maria Shriver days. Arnold in church. It's good to know. Good to hear that. Yeah, I like that. Let's uh, let's do maybe. Uh, how about two more? How about Craig in Portland? Craig, welcome your celebrity brush. Hey, hey, I'm here. You got it. You're on. <laughs> hey, John, can you hear me? I can hear you. Hey, John, love the show. I got a good one for you. Back okay. in 1980, I shook the hand that crushed the face of Rudy Tom Oh, Kermit, Kermit Washington. That was him. Tom, and uh, he came into the Myron Frank downtown. He was headed for a signing thing. I saw him right away. Man, he, he's got the biggest hand and the biggest grip. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was a bad moment in NBA history. Obviously a bad moment for Rudy T. And uh, Kermit Washington later said that he wished it hadn't gone that way, but... There you go. Garth in Salem. Garth, you're going to get the last one. you got to be quick. I'm lucky. Real quick. Down in Malibu, daughter going to school at a restaurant. Casual dinner. Next thing you know, George Clooney and Gerber, Randy Gerber, walk into the restaurant. Nobody was there except us. Wow. And they came in, sat down right behind us. My wife and daughter went crazy and said, do not think of talking to them. Yeah. That's not what you do when you interact with a celebrity. So that's right. I learned a lesson there, but it was a great moment. For sure. For sure. That's not what you do. I love that. All right. The five at five is coming up. Anna's all ready. Mostly. You got your pedicure and you got your five big stories. Yeah. Um, I did get the garbage can cleaned out. All We had all that seafood in the garbage mm-hmm. can. Man, it works now. Well, every day on the show, we do the five at five. Anna has billed it as the five not at most. In- How did you say it yesterday? I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> I not forgot already. Not necessarily the most important yeah, stories. Yeah. I don't want to depict them as the biggest stories because that's uh, probably not true. They're just the most interesting stories to me. So there you go. 
the five most interesting stories to Anna. Yeah, very subjective. If Anna were the audience, <laughs> these would be the five stories that she would tell you about. Uh, we could also call it Trapped in a Car with Anna. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Yes. As a, as a bit? Yes. Because that's really what it is. Mm-hmm. It's when I turn to you and I go, hey, did you hear... Yeah, that's what this that, that's what this segment you really know, is Steven, like. Stephen, you're gonna love this one. The other day, Anna asked me a question. I can't remember where, what the subject was, but we were in the kitchen, and you said to me, "What do you think about this?" And I offered my opinion, and you went, "No." <laughs> and I said, "You weren't really asking me, were you?" And you said, "No, I was not." Yeah. Do you remember what we were talking no, about? No, I have no idea. Was... But it's like the, it's like the <laughs> typical spousal non-question question. You're really just looking for affirmation of what you're already thinking in your head. Like, should we go out? Should we go to here for dinner to this fill in the blank? You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. And me going, oh well, what about here? And you're like, no. Yeah. I want to go to this other place. You had the answer in your head. Uh huh. You were not really asking me. Yeah. yeah. Why ask then? What is Courtesy. that about? Courtesy. It's a fake ask. Does that happen with Coach Vaughn in your household? All the time. Uh, but she's more like, hey, Stephen, what should we have for dinner? And I'll say something. She's like, no, how about this? <laughs> so like she, what it was. Yeah, she like throws, hey, Stephen, you're going to decide what's for dinner. I come up with it. And then she's like, no, we're actually going to do this. I was like, okay. Well, cool. Let me feel like you're part of the process. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but not really part of the process. Anyone okay. who's been in a relationship for an extended period of time knows what we're talking about. But the about. problem becomes when, it's not even I, and I think it's mostly men. Yeah. The problem becomes when you get accepting of the fact that you're not, that this really isn't a question. Yeah. And you're okay with it. Because early on, you fight back. You're like, no, I actually want, I actually have this opinion. And then, like, years into your marriage, <laughs> you sort of accept that, like, you kind of weigh in your head, is it worth it? Yeah. And most of the time, it's not. Hey, you know, we do that, too. The women do that, too, you know. I think mostly the guys do it. We <laughs> You're concede. that over, over time, the guy's opinion is just ground to a pulp. We're just beat down. We're, we're completely <laughs> beat down to the point where we... Everything begins with the thought process of, is this really worth it? <laughs> and then we answer if it is. If not, it's your decision. So what are Just the things, do what you want to do. What are the things you actually put your foot down on? Because there are some things. There are some things that are non-negotiable for you. Mostly family-related when it comes to, like, the inclusion of family members, uh-huh. kids needing to participate in certain things. Okay. You know, I need my time with my uh, children before they go off into the world. Okay. So it's kind of non-negotiable if they're going to have an option to participate in this or that. Like, yeah. no, you're going. Mm-hmm. Until you are legally not required to go, you must <laughs> go and participate and be and be happy about it, damn it. Yeah. Um, and then I used that, I, I kind of used that this morning with the, with the nine-year-old. Mm-hmm. She was dreading going to pickleball camp. Yeah. And I don't know why, because she likes pickleball and she's in this pickleball camp. But she kind of has this habit of like she just kind of says i don't want to go until Mm -hmm. she's there and then she has the best time i know yeah so i told her i said you know a friend of ours who comes on the show greg bell he wrote this book water the bamboo it's like this motivational speaker author guy who goes around (laughs) talking all these teams he has another book out called what's going well and he talks about the brain chemistry of actually verbalizing like kind of a positive outlook like what is you know stop ruminating on the negative things that are happening in your life and and you know actually look at the things you like about this and then suddenly you find yourself in a much better mental space about it 
And she went, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, were much more diplomatic about that whole thing. I was a little tiger mom. It's an early start. It's an 8.30 a.m. camp on a summer break. But my whole point was, hey, this is something you committed to. We've already paid for it. You're going. Yeah. And I said to her, hey, why not? What do you love about pickleball? Mm-hmm. And then she said, well, I like to hit the ball back and forth. I said, you're going to get to hit the ball back and forth right now. That's, you know? I guess that's why we work, because on a given yeah. day, we gotta. one of us has to be good cop, bad cop, right? Uh, we can't both be bad cop. I, I mostly play good cop. You are mostly good cop. <laughs> I, know. I know. All right. Five at five, also known as trapped in a car with Anna. The five at five. The number one story on Anna's mind. Hey, did you hear about Iowa State quarterback Hunter Deckers? <laughs> He won't be participating in fall camp. This is yeah. sad. So criminal charges filed against him uh, in the ongoing sports wagering investigation involving college athletes in Iowa. What is going on with Iowa? So his attorney uh, said that he's informed the university that he won't participate so he can focus on his studies and on the defense of this criminal charge, he's actually accused of tampering with records. Yeah, because he basically falsified his, tried to falsify his, his identity and registering for one of these uh, accounts that you register with when you, when you apply to be like DraftKings or whatever that state's entity is. Yeah, not good. And it, it turns out he actually was like, it looks like he may have been betting on his own games. Mm. Uh, college athletes caught betting on their own games can face a lifetime ban, according to NCAA. When are athletes going to recognize that these sports gambling entities, FanDuel, DraftKings, whatever your state's using, they know who you are. Okay? They know who you are. You can't fudge this. Uh, Decker's getting caught here in criminal charges. This comes, you know, you got a, a Denver Bronco player who's facing a bunch of federal charges as well um you know you can't do this you can't do this number two story uh speaking of charges no this is interesting this just broke uh, in the last 24 hours federal agents executed a search warrant on vince mcmahon's home okay so this happened back in july uh they served him with a federal grand jury subpoena uh, they're still looking into these allegations that he played, that he paid out secret payments of millions of dollars to keep uh, people who were accusing him of uh, sexual misconduct to keep them quiet. Mm. So the WWE launched its own investigation into this, uh, but announced last November its investigation had concluded. The feds, however, are still interested. So the SEC, federal prosecutors, they're still looking into this. He's come out with a statement saying he expects them to find nothing. Company incurred $5.3 million and $7.1 million worth of expenses to costs incurred in connection with a separate investigation by a special committee. This is really, uh, well, it looks like he paid a whole bunch of money to some people that he needs to explain. Uh, WW scandal going on um he also went on medical leave after undergoing spinal surgery so things not going good for vince mcmahon yeah but remember he stepped down from Mm -hmm. his role and then just a few months later he came back so i don't know let's see how tough one he really is i guess well 
looks like uh, they're hush payments. That's what it looks like. Uh, by the way, is WWE in trouble here along with him? Because he owns like 30, 35% of the company. Mm. He is the largest shareholder of WWE. So the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, would be interested in this because it's a publicly traded company. So, mm. yeah, he announced his retirement in the summer of 2022 and then came right back. Well, looks like it was the more that it was fifteen million dollars that he allegedly paid for people to, uh, you know, go away and not talk about it. Hmm. Wow! All right, number three story. Uh, so Tuesday night, Oakland A's fans got some support from Dodgers fans. So the Athletics are in town in Southern California. They're playing the Dodgers. The Dodgers supporters broke out in their own <laughs> chant. Sell the team. Sell the team. The chance loud enough to be picked up easily on the uh, broadcast of the game. Now, they're not the first opposing fan base to do this. Giants did it. The Giants did it last week, and these chants were also heard during the All-Star game in Seattle last month. I like it. I like baseball fans in solidarity. Baseball fans know lousy ownership when they see it. They also know that the A's are harmless. And so I think the Giants and the Dodgers... Uh, finding some commonality, bitter rivals, supporting the Oakland A's, and uh, trying to help each other out. The A's, by the way, are 30 and 78. That's their record. Who can't get behind that? Opposing teams cheering for them too. Number four story. I don't know why I'm fascinated with the number changes in professional sports, but it always catches my eye. Um, Minnesota Timberwolves star guard Anthony Edwards will have a new number mm -hmm. in the upcoming season. He's switching his jersey number from number one to number five. Not just that, he says he plans to be a whole different player. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he says I like it. five has always been his number in high school, college, uh, AAU. It's been the number he wanted, but when he got drafted, the teammate had the number five, and the opportunity presented itself, so he took it. Uh, number five last season was worn by Kyle Anderson. So Anderson, I guess, likes number one anyway. So essentially they're swapping jersey numbers for the uh, upcoming season. That's pretty cool. I like that. Um, I, I don't think this is quite what you do when you change yourself to a whole different player. You know, you might want to change your name and your game in addition to your number. But I guess it works. Um, players are really weird about numbers, too. You know, they like to have the number they grew up wearing. I know. They, when things don't go good, they're in a new city. You know, maybe they get traded to a city. There's a bunch of dealing that goes on to, yeah. can I have that number? Are you wearing that number? Is that number retired? Can we bring it out of retirement? Um, it's one of those quirky things. I don't think you're alone in kind of geeking out on that. <laughs> people look at numbers. Yeah. And a lot of people, look, I grew up. When I was in high school, the best player on every high school team wore the number 23 for okay. Michael Jordan. Right. And But then there was a phase where people were wearing eight for Kobe Bryant. Oh, right. And, okay. You know? Like, yeah. It just kind of became a thing. What's in a number? What's the big number now? What's the big number right yeah. now? Yeah, Steven, you're Steven. closer to it. Uh, what do I'm, all the kids want? I really have no idea what that would be. I wish I knew. Best player. Probably 20. On, I mean, maybe 23. Still wears 23. Right? Isn't that LeBron? Is there any? Is Yeah, LeBron's wearing 23 now. Mm. It's Michael Jordan. It's not LeBron. That's right. <laughs> um, let's get it straight. All right. The number five story is Anna season. Speaking of numbers, 
Uh, former Heisman Trophy winner Johnny Menzel mm. is opening a nightclub near Texas A&M. Perfect. It's called Johnny Menzel's Money Bar. <laughs> Do you think this is going to hey, be? You know what? Just go a with it. Success. Here, you know, there's a lot of people that will fight against like their vices and and swim against the stream. Yeah, we're all in a struggle with our own limitations. Okay, there's a gravitational pull. Johnny Manziel's going hell with this. I'm going downstream. I'm going right to the club. I'm going to name it for my very vice. <laughs> and I'm going to put my name right up on the marquee. I'm going to He's just leaning into this one. He's Here's the thing. It's expected to be a higher-end establishment. Uh-huh. Like near Texas A&M. Do you think he's doing what I do? Where, Which is? Well, cuz if I go into a coffee shop or a restaurant, I'll always look around and go, "You know what? I'd like to own a restaurant and a coffee shop." And that's um, where I'm there to tell you that yeah. that's a bad idea. And I talk to people who actually own <laughs> restaurants and coffee shops and they're like, "Dude, do you realize the work that goes into it? And I go, yeah, but I would just want it to break even. You know, I don't even need it to make money. I just want somewhere to hang out. I kind of think nobody told Johnny Manziel this is a bad idea. This is this one, I don't think it ends well. Well. What kind of appeal does his name have? Does I, his name still have appeal in the Texas A&M community right now? Maybe down there. Maybe. How long, though? I mean, he's a graduate of Texas A&M. He's a, le- before- he's a legend yeah. down there. He won the Heisman. Yeah, but how yeah. long till they forget you and and move on to other things? How long does the name like no disrespect? How long does Marcus Mariota's name carry the cachet that it carried when he was playing at Oregon? Well, think about like Joey Harrington. Joey Harrington's still a big deal around here. Joey Harrington opens a bar in Eugene. Do you think the kids who are like sophomores, juniors at Oregon are going to go, "Oh my gosh, I totally remember seeing Joey Harrington"? No, they're not. They're not going to have any recollection of it. They're going to be like, it, you know, it might as well. I'm not saying, I'm not, I mean no disrespect. I mean no disrespect, but I'm just saying at some point, kids at Texas A&M are not going to be, have a memory of Johnny Manziel being at Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. What's his window? Three more years? And then a bunch of kids were like, yeah, I was in diapers. My dad told me about Johnny Manziel. I don't know. Maybe it'll be for the older crowd. You know, maybe it'll be the the parent for the parents who are visiting their kids at Texas A and M. Yeah, I, I need to. I'm gonna text who are connected. My favorite Texas A and M fan. <laughs> Would you? That's in my phone. Go. And I'm gonna ask, does this make you want to go hang out at this place, <laughs> or is you know I don't know if it brings that cachet. You know. Yeah. Like, I think there are some legendary pro athletes that play in markets for, like, 10, 12, 15 years. Yeah. John Stockton in Salt Lake City. Right. Um, You know, even Damian Lillard in Portland. Right. Okay? You can put your name on a business. Yeah. Okay? And it's got some staying power because there's a swath of people for a decade or 15 or 20 years that watched you play. Mm -hmm. But I think if you are a college athlete in a market. Yeah. What? How long did Johnny Manziel register there? Two years? Three years? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know what the staying power of that is in a market like that. I could be wrong. I could be in left field on this one. Or he could wind up on Bar Rescue with John Taffer telling him what to fix. You need to get out of here. That's a great show, by the Um, way. All right. Let's go to the phone lines. Turk is calling from San Jose, California. Turk, what is on your mind? My man, Johnny C. 
So uh, this is my third day in a row calling in. I hit a trifecta with you today. The second trifecta I ever hit in my life, except for seeing Anita. But I want to go back to what Jewel said about the numbers, uh, the players that that they wear. Okay. And I watched a special on Bill Walton the other night on Untold on ESPN. And when he went to Boston, he wanted to wear 32. Well, that was McHale's number. McHale goes, I'm not giving that up. And he couldn't wear 33 because that was Kareem. And then he goes, well, I'll go double zero. Well, that was the chief, Robert Parrish. And Parrish mm-hmm. is like, I'm not giving that up. Mm-hmm. He goes, I just picked number five out of nowhere. I just picked it. <laughs> and when you watched Walton play for the Celtics back then, and you go, the guy's run down. He's done. No, he wasn't. He lit it up, and it was amazing to watch him play the way he did. And I know that has nothing to do with Jules said about numbers and everything. Who's Jules, Who is Jules by Who the is way? Jules? You talking about Anna? I let it slide the first time. <laughs> no, I, I thought you heard. I thought you said Jules. No. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> I'm 53. What do right. I know? Let me ask you something. Steve yeah. Atwater, arguably the best Arkansas football player in history. Wait, say that again? Is Steve Atwater arguably the best Arkansas football player? I know you're an Arkansas fan. You brought that up no, once. No, 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 no. Who's the best Arkansas football player ever? Well, the running back. I mean, they have three. They have Peyton Hillis, right? Darren McFadden. McFadden. And they had another guy. I forget his name. He was a yeah, he's so guy. great. Can't remember his name. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he would line up behind the line of scrimmage, and he would scrunch down, and you couldn't see him. And okay. they run these plays where he would run like across the line of scrimmage. They'd hand him the ball. Yeah, and he was gone. Trickery. Okay, let me there ask you. There you go. That guy opens a bar today in Arkansas, down the street from the campus. Do kids today even know who that is? I doubt it. Yeah. See, making my seriously, point. Seriously, doubt. I, can you give I'm, me a suey? Can you give me a suey call? Oh God, hang on. <clears throat> wow. Whoa, big suey. Raise it back. Wow. Oh, big suey, Turk. I appreciate and I'm it, man. Sorry about the jewel thing. I I don't know how I got that name in my head, but it's okay. I, I just take it as a nickname. Hey, look, All right, Jules. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's my new nickname on the show. All right, Jules. Enough out of you. There you yeah. go, Jules. You uh-huh. got your nickname. Yeah, All it's right. my alter ego during yeah. the five at five. Thank Only you. during the five during at the five, my name is Jules. There you go. There you you go. With it. All <laughs> right, Turk. Appreciate you. There's Turk. Um, Stephen, um, d- does it register? Does Johnny Manziel... Does his name still sell? Do you think you think it does because of the Heisman Trophy? I do. I don't. You may be right that it doesn't register as much with the kids, but I think what, what Anna's saying is like the parents that are coming to visit and the fans, like on game day, like mm-hmm. fans of Texas A and M are always going to support him. And I think that it's not necessarily going to be the kids that are going to be carrying yeah. that bar. It's going to be just like the fans who did watch it because there's so many people that are around that area still that went to that school or cheer for that team. Yeah. I'm well, also, to... if it's a high-end establishment, the kids can't afford it. College kids, yeah. <laughs> price people out of there. Um, you know, but look, he was—he uh, left college in 2013, so it's been a decade. Yeah. So he has 
I think he's got a window there, and people remember him, but he didn't exactly go on to make Texas A&M proud with his NFL and CFL career with the Tam- Hamilton Tiger Cats and the yeah. Montreal Alouettes. Yeah. Um, he won the Heisman in 2012 and then struggled as a professional player. And, and But the people there can celebrate him for the – you know the window mm. of success that he experienced. He, he was Mr. He beat Texas Alabama football. and Tuscaloosa. I mean, you can't mm-hmm. you can't get any better than that. And he was uh, Mr. Texas as a high school football player. So I think Marcus that. Mariota has a better shot of opening a business yeah. in Eugene and having it be well attended and supported. Right now, right now, yeah, but right but, now and for but he's for had a, a foreseeable future. Oh, by the way, that quarterback documentary on Netflix. Can we just for a moment? Talk about how good that is. It's great. It make it makes me like Patrick Mahomes like a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I really like Patrick Mahomes after watching that. that like surprises you. I like who he is. I like his energy. I like that he's a fighter. He's scrappy. He's you know you get to know. And then it really gives you empathy for Kirk Cousins, the Vikings quarterback, mm-hmm. and Mariota. And Mariota's wife is a superstar. Yeah, you like her. Oh yeah. I mean, I just, I love how real she is. You know, a lot of, like, you see the wives that will get interviewed for something like that, and they've got a whole glamour team that uh, prepares them to be interviewed. (laughs) She's interviewed at their dining room table in a tank top, glasses, and a bun. And I'm like, I like her. I want to be friends with her. She's comfortable. (laughs) Yes. She's comfortable comfortable with who she is. in her own skin. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Love it. Give it a look if you haven't seen it already. It's on Netflix. The quarterbacks. All right, coming up, Bill Riley with ESPN 700. He covers Utah and uh, is the voice of Utah athletics. Utah is a linchpin in this thing with the Pac-12 conference. Where are they leaning? How are they seeing it in Salt Lake City? He hosts a show, and guess what? He's been at practice today. He interviewed Kyle Whittingham today. He's fresh off that interview. He's going to join us next. Punch and Audio still coming up, still ahead. Uh, Ross Dellinger, who wrote a terrific synopsis story for Yahoo Sports that posted last night, um, uh, gave a little interview where he talked about Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah possibly leaving the Pac-12 conference. Here's Dellinger. If, if you lose those three, you'll be down to six teams. And I, I kind of think there are probably three options for those six teams. You either reach down and two to four Mountain West teams and patch together a league. The problem with that is it's very expensive. Um, in, in exit fees alone, uh, Dan, it's $34 million per team for the Mountain West that they would owe the Mountain West. Uh, so there's a problem with that. Uh, the second the second option would be that, uh, you know, they each kind of these six teams kind of each go their own way. Maybe the door cracks open in the Big Ten or ACC for Washington in Oregon or Cal and Stanford, maybe Oregon State and Washington State drop down to the Mountain West. It, it makes a little sense there. Uh, and then the third option, I think, is some kind of merger or, or partnership um, with those six or seven remaining teams with, say, the ACC. The ACC and the Pac-12 have long discussed some kind of partnership or merger in some way. So there are those possibilities. A lot of things on the table. Here to talk about Utah's role in it, Bill Riley, ESPN 700 in Salt Lake City, fresh off a conversation with Kyle Whittingham. What's the mood in Salt Lake, Bill? Uh, football mood's good, John. I, I've been in, in uh, the facility for the last hour talking to Cam Rising. 
for our weekly conversation. Where's Utah going now? An hour ago, they were going to the Big 12 or staying put. Are they going to the, the, the Sun Belt? Are they headed to the Big 10? Where's Utah going this hour? My hope would be, and this is the purest and the traditional uh, you know, sports media person, my hope would be that this conference figures out a way to keep everybody or most everybody where they are. But I see Utah as one of those teams that, you know, yeah, they could go to the Big 12, but do they want to be in the same conference as BYU? You know, I guess if they had their druthers, they'd probably stay in the Pac-12 and, and make a load of money. Well, I, I was just – I was being a, a smart-ass there. I, I know. I, I, I would like to see the conference stay together uh, at San Diego State, stay at 10 for, you know, the next four or five years. I think Utah I would, would like to do that. My All my conversations with President Taylor Randall and Mark Harlan and things they've expressed publicly is I think they'd like to see this conference stay together too. Uh, the big question is can it? Will it? Um, you know, because if one or two more dominoes fall – uh, the, the proverbial Jenga, the Jenga kind of kind of tumbles there, and so I, I, yeah. I think I think I think they want to stay, John. I do, but you know, can they make it work financially? Is there another piece that we don't know about? None of us were in that meeting. We've gotten bits and pieces about what may have been presented and not presented. Um, so I, I just at this point I don't know, but I think everybody here in Salt Lake loves their the relationship with the Pac-12, but like everybody else in college football. They don't want stability just this year. They want it for the next four or five years. If Utah is left behind, how will that fill to the fan base, to the program, meaning left behind in the Pac-12? You know, uh, let's say the Big 12 just takes Arizona or takes the Arizona schools. Um, Let's even say that the Big 10 grabs Washington and Oregon. Um, Utah, I view Utah as a tentpole university in the Pac-12 conference. And is there anxiety over that? Is there worry over it? Or is it one of those things that's out of the control of everybody? So it's just like, hey, whatever happens. Oh, I, I think there's anxiety and concern. I mean, most, mostly with the fan base. I mean, I, you know, the football players, the athletes don't know and care. They're worried about that. Coaches, they don't, they don't show you anything publicly. But among the fan base, there certainly is. Although I, I will say, I would be not much shocks me anymore. I'll just say I would be very surprised if somehow Utah was left behind and not in a bigger conference because the football product is and has been very good to great for about the last seven or eight years, and there's no sense of it going anywhere. And that's what these conferences are looking for, things that drive the bus, which is football. So – you know that hype. That that's is that a possibility? I, I think it's a long shot, but it would surprise me if if the Big Twelve or the Big Ten or somebody a, a power ish conference didn't make a move for a Utah. The football season. You're talking to Kyle Whittingham. You're talking to Cam Rising, and you know trying to uh, get a get a beat on what's going to happen this season. Utah's got a tough schedule. But yeah. uh, no one should count them out. How how does it look early on with Rising's injury, week one with Florida, all of that? Well, I just, like I said, I got done doing my, my weekly 45-minute chat with Cam. Everything is on course. He's out practicing. Now he's not able to do the quote-unquote team activities. Does that make sense? He's not doing the 11-on-11 11 11 stuff, but he's throwing to the receivers. He's out there. He's at practice. They're taking this very cautiously and very slow. Um, I think if you ask Cam, he'd be ready to go tomorrow. Uh, but the doctors aren't taking any chances because, you know, um, 
your season hinges on your starting quarterback. There's very few top-flight programs in the country that could lose Cam Rising, that could lose Bo Nix, that could lose Caleb Williams and not have a drop-off. They've got some good backup quarterbacks here, but if they want to three-peat as Pac-12 champions, they need a healthy Cam Rising. So they're, they're easing him back into it. Um, Whittingham met with us on Monday. Um, he kind of does a big once-or-twice-a-week deal. Today we talked to players, but – Kyle was really upbeat. He had everybody in camp. Um, everybody that was hurt in the offseason is out doing something. Some guys are back full strength on the defensive side of the ball, like Fillinger and, and Ellis and guys like that. Keithy and, and, uh, and, and, uh, and Rising are being eased back in, but they're either on or slightly ahead of schedule, and they're expected to play in the Florida game. So, you know, from a football standpoint, again, we're only three days in here, but everything's pretty good with Utah, 17 starters back. Um, you know, every, everything, the, the buzz is good from a football standpoint right now, John. The the hope with the Pac-12 conference is that it can somehow pull the Arizona schools in Utah as a voting block into the conference and get them enough revenue to stay in this cycle, a four- or five-year cycle. Do you believe that Utah – wants to be in a block with the Arizona schools? Would it rather be off negotiating as a free agent by itself? How do you see Utah's mindset? It's such a hard question because the decision makers aren't talking as much right now. It's hard to have ever since the media, the really since Pac-12 media day, it's kind of been radio silence. I, I think they want to do what's going to be ultimately best for the university if their best path to security and staying a power five league is allying with the Arizona schools, then they'll probably do it. But as I said at the beginning, I think their, their, their plan a is that they get a revenue number that puts them in competition with the big 12 and they can stay together. You and I have talked about this, John, if they can get that number, right there at 31 or slightly above or slightly below, nobody necessarily wants to move and uproot. Colorado did, but I don't think the remaining nine schools do. And I think they'd like to stay put. You add San Diego State, you upgrade yourself athletically, and you've got 10. Now, is 10 going to be good for the next 10 or 15 years? Probably not. Can you survive at 10 for the next four to five years, especially with the playoff expanding? I think you can. And 10 might be a better number if you can stay together for playoff purposes. It's much easier to get in with 10 schools than it is with 14 or 16 schools. So I I think their druthers, again, are to stay put in the Pac-12. But, again, at the end of the day, all these schools, whether it's Rob Mullins at Oregon, Mark Harlan at Utah, whomever it might be around the league, you can be loyal to a point, but at some point in time you've got to do what's best for your institution too. The nostalgia, the tradition of the Pac-12 conference, important to me. I don't know if it's important to the decision makers, and that that kind of concerns me. Bill Riley, ESPN 700, Salt Lake City, is with us. Um, you know the the view of how did they end up here was laid out by Ross Dillinger in that Yahoo Sports piece that uh, you know I played his comments earlier, and he kind of you know the misnegotiation, uh, the the leadership miscues, the strategic aggression that you know the big 12 did right and television's role as well in there who are people in utah blaming for this predicament 
Well, I think Larry Scott is the easy target, as he has been for years, and certainly he plays a role in it. But the current predicament happened under George Klyovkov's watch. But again, as I say with professional sports, too, when people like to take shots at Roger Goodell and take shots at, at you know Gary Bettman or Rob Manfred, commissioners work at the behest of owners in professional sports and in collegiate sports at the behest of presidents and CEOs. And so I think some of that responsibility has to go to that room, too. John, a year ago, they could have driven a knife and a stake through the heart of the Big 12. But I think there's always been a little bit of arrogance in this conference about, you know, well, those Midwest schools were a little bit better academically. Mm-hmm. We're a little bit maybe a little bit more highfalutin. I don't know if we need Kansas. I don't know if we need you know, Oklahoma State. I don't know if we need Baylor. Well, if you would have taken four of those schools a year ago, you wouldn't be in that prediction predicament now. And the Big 12 was on the ropes a year ago, and they found a way to punch their way off the ropes um, with wobbly knees and all. You, uh, the Big the Pac-12's got the wobbly knees now, but unfortunately, John, there, there's not a lot of good options out there this year like there were a year ago. They've got to find a linear partner, a little bit more money, They've got to yep. pull the Arizona, Arizona State, Utah contingent back into the fold. It doesn't look to me, Bill, that the Big Ten Conference wants to be the bad guy here. So if you can pull at minimally Arizona State and Utah back into the Pac-12, get a number that makes everyone happy for four or five years, I think you live to play another day. I think um, if they don't, if they lose those three schools, I think everyone's running for the hills, and the Big Ten's going to come in and say, hey, we got no problem rating now because we're not the bad guy. This conference was imploding anyway. Well, here's the other thing, too, John. I mean, you've got to pay for it at some point in time. You know, there, you don't have the unlimited credit card. You know, if they really wanted the Oregon and Washingtons a while ago, they could have made that move. I don't think they necessarily do. But you know what you might be able to do if the conference falls apart? You might be able to get Oregon and Washington at half a media rights share. Mm-hmm. We're all making 70. Maybe we'll. you guys don't have anywhere else to go. How about if we give you 35 or 40 for the next couple of years, then we'll integrate you in. But you're right. I mean, if they can find the linear partner to go with the Apple and you can get that number at 30, 31, I think everybody would stay put for a little while. But I'm with you. I I don't think the Big Ten is looking to expand. They can have these conversations all day long, and I'm sure they have, and they probably should. But at the end of the day, they've got 16 right now starting in 2024, and that's what it was negotiated in at. If you're going to add any more schools, you've got to go back to Fox and NBC and CBS and say, we need more money. And those, those network partners might not want to pony up. 140 million a year for Washington and Oregon straight away. They might say we're okay at 16 for now. Let's wait and see what happens. Bill Riley, ESPN 700. Hey, thank you for coming on. Um, is do you get the sense that we'll get resolution 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours? Is this going to drag on for a couple weeks? I oh, I, I don't think it could be a couple of weeks. I just think you've got itchy trigger fingers, people that are wanting to have answers. The Arizona schools, I think, why Bob Robbins, you've had him on your show, the president of the university. I mean, he's been saying for months, I want to see the deal. I want to see the deal. Well, he's seen the deal now. Now, I, I think they're not going to be – those those places aren't going to give you weeks now. I, I would be surprised if, if it's not 48 to 72 hours, maybe by the end of the week. Mm-hmm. That it's sounds kinda... like a timeline that might be on par for me, 24, 48, maybe by Friday sometime. 
Yeah, I appreciate it. That's about what I'm thinking. Bill Riley, thank you, my friend. Good luck to you. Thanks, John. There he is, ESPN 700, Salt Lake City. Uh, interesting to get their viewpoint. I want to, uh, on tomorrow's show, maybe go to Arizona State, go to Tempe, go to Arizona, go to Tucson, take the temperature there. What are they thinking? What's on their mind? How eager are they? Um, if you did not listen early in the show, we had Dan Wetzel on, who uh, broke the story of the Big Ten Conference, doing some exploratory stuff with Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and Cal. Sounds to me, looks to me, that the Big Ten does not want to be the bad guy. That if, hey, if the conference implodes, we'll take some schools, maybe two, maybe four. If it doesn't implode, I think the Big Ten's going to sit back and sit this out. And, you know, if you're somebody who is rooting for the Pac-12 conference to survive this, live to play another day, uh, get a four- or five-year window, uh, a reprieve, so to speak, Maybe let the streaming market, the linear television market, settle down and then see what's there. If you're somebody who lives in that space, um, and by the way, like if you're an Oregon fan or a Washington fan and you want to know how a move to the Big Ten is going to work out, I actually think watching UCLA go through it for a couple years would be better than trying to go, okay, we're going to do it ourselves as an experiment. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. But in order for it to work, Arizona State and Utah – need to stay in the Pac-12 conference. You need to have at least eight. Then you add a San Diego State, you add an SMU. I am told that the $34 million that the Mountain West Conference is asking for is negotiable. I reached out to several presidents in the Mountain West Conference who told me, hey, yes, these things are negotiable. And, you know, again, the prevailing thought is nobody in college, in the college world, wants to sue anybody. There could be some things worked out to get San Diego State into the Pac-12 in time for the 2024 season. I don't think the Mountain West is going to make it easy, but they're going to want to, they're going to, want to get paid, but I don't think they'll pay a full $34 million if they don't want to be in that conference. Coming up, some Punch It audio, best sound from all around. We'll play it next. Get a podcast of this show by uh, finding it anywhere you find a podcast, for crying out loud. Do I have to say that? Like, Where do you find the podcast? Google it. Gonzano Podcast, Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Go to 750thegame.com. You can get the podcast of the show as well. If you want to read me now, you can read me exclusively at johnconzano.com. You want to know what I think? I'm writing it there on a daily basis. You get it delivered to your email inbox in real time. It shows up the minute I hit post. You don't have to go looking for it. A lot of people have told me they love the ability to find it right there waiting for them. In the meantime, we're going to play some punch it audio. Florida State's president speaking out. The ACC's got its own problems. Pac-12's not alone. University presidents and trustees speaking in Tallahassee. Plus, Steve Kerr on how he plans to integrate Chris Paul into the Warriors rotation. And uh, we got Andrew Marchant talking about the potential Pac-12 Apple deal. Is there another piece to it? Let's go. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Fish Truth Headquarters. Hey, we're all about truth, justice, and the American way here, okay? Which is why we've spanned the globe and pulled the top audio cuts of the day. You're going to hear little snippets of sound. Hey, it's time for Punch It Audio. Presented by First Call Heating and Cooling. Well, the ACC is stuck in its meteorites deal with ESPN until 2036. Yes, they have a, a deal with the CW to get some additional games, some distribution, but it's not a great deal by today's standards. Long-term deal. 
president at Florida State, Richard McCullough, talking about the ACC. He does not sound happy. Punch it. We, of course, are not um, satisfied with our current situation. Uh, we love the ACC. Uh, we love our partners at ESPN. Uh, we, uh, <clears throat> our goal would be to continue to stay in the ACC, but staying in the ACC under the the, the current situation uh, uh, is is hard for uh, us to figure out how we remain competitive unless there were a major change in the revenue distribution within the conference, in the ACC conference itself. Florida State wants more money. Problem is the ACC signed a 20-year deal with ESPN in 2016. It runs through 2036, pays about $240 million annually, divided up between each of the 14 schools. It's not a great deal by today's standards. The ACC knows it could do better. Florida State's trustees met. Drew Weatherford is a trustee there in Tallahassee. He did not sound happy either. Punch it. It's not a matter of if we leave. In my opinion, it's a matter of how and when we leave. How and when. Florida State, those are fighting words. Drew Weatherford talking about it. Um, you know, look, the grant of rights is ironclad. Florida State's football games belong to the ACC. They can go off and try to play elsewhere, but the ACC's got the broadcast rights. They're threatening to leave, though, Florida State is. There's going to be some realignment, choppy waters here for the coming days and weeks and maybe months between the Pac-12, the Big 12, the Big 10, the SEC, the ACC. It's going to be wild. You've got you know, a group of five conferences like the Mountain West all watching it going, okay, wait a minute, where do we fit into this? Um, I don't like where it is. I don't like the uncertainty. I don't like that it feels like professional sports. But uh, I'm a bit of a throwback. I digress. Andrew Marshawn, media reporter for the New York Post, talking about the potential Pac-12 Apple deal. How much does Marshawn know? Punch it. If Apple's goal is to sell subscriptions globally, right? They don't really, they don't seem to be that interested in production. They're interested in selling subscriptions globally. That is a good, if it was like, I, I've said this before, if it was an even playing field, everyone is at zero right now, I would bet on Apple. They have the most money. That plan does make sense when you sell subscriptions globally, especially if you're already able to get the major sports. The problem is these deals don't come up that often. And when you do, you're not guaranteed getting them. ESPN has the best sports portfolio of anyone uh, in terms of tonnage, in terms of major events. Uh, you know, there's others that, the others, Fox and NBC and CBS, they all have a lot of great marquee events and have great portfolios and Turner Sports. You can't forget about them. They're always kind of underrated with this stuff. They also do. But ESPN has the most and the best. That, to me, is why that works. Like, if you want to sell global subscriptions, ESPN makes a lot of sense if you're trying to sell sports in that regard because they're the leader and they're, they have the most stuff. ESPN if the Pac-12 is going to pull it together, has to be part of that package. Uh, meanwhile, the Arizona Regents, the Board of Regents, has announced a meeting for tomorrow night, Thursday night, on the agenda, 6.05 p.m. The board will convene an executive session 
for a couple of items, including possible legal advice and discussion regarding university athletics. We'll try to find out in the next 24 hours what that meeting's going to be about. Finally, Steve Kerr wants to integrate Chris Paul into his lineup. Uh, well, we, we met in Vegas. Um, I watched Steph and Chris work out together. Um, we've talked about our team. One of the things I told Chris was we have to be more uh, controlled this year. Last year, we were number 29 in the league in turnovers. Oh. In, in other words, second worst in the league. But we had the, the fastest pace in the league. That's not a great combination. That's wild. And one of the things I love about Chris is that he controls games. and That's it. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for a guy that they can use situationally, I guess. More on tomorrow's show. We'll be back with another episode.